Space, The Final Frontier. These are the podcasts of the Starship 5 on film. It's continuing mission to rank classic films, to seek out new movies, and to find top five listings, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Welcome aboard the USS Five on Film. And this week, we are doing Star Trek. I am Captain Murray, and my fellow crewmates this week are Chief Engineer Bugless. I can't change the laws of physics. Token Irishman and Transporter Chief Kelly. Yo. Head of Security, Lieutenant Commander Cook. Peace and long life. And our resident red shirt, Ensign Hines. Engage. Welcome crewmates uh, on board. This is the podcast where we break down the top five list on the world of film, actors and directors. For anyone new to the pod, hello, here is how the show works. We have three rounds. Round one is film nominations, where we each nominate a film to be considered for our list. If two or more of our panel agree with the nomination, it goes on to our list until we reach seven films. Round two is where we whittle down our extended list of, to five films. And finally, in round three, we rank those five films as we decide on the definitive top five. Star Trek is arguably the second greatest sci-fi series ever created. With Star Trek The Motion Picture releasing in 1979, it spawned five sequels and a further four Next Generation films and a Kelvin timeline uh, starting in 2005 with two sequels and a fourth film just announced which will be released in 2023. So we have 13 films in total to choose from. Mr. Cook, raise the shields. Mr. Kelly, prepare to beam Ensign Hines down to the surface of Rigel 7. I'm sure he'll be fine. Mr. Bugless, stand by to warp speed. Come. Engage. Five, four, three, Two, one. We're in the pipe. Five by five. This is the Five on Film podcast. So uh, let's start then. Uh, so Tim, uh, you'd suggested uh, we do this. What does Star Trek mean to you? Uh, right before I started watching this, I didn't realize um, yeah, I knew a lot more about Star Trek than I thought I did. I'm just a child of the 90s, so it was kind of peak Star Trek season. So there were like three franchises plus movies going on. So it was just around in the public conscious slot. And yeah, I watched a lot of it. It was always on Sky at five o'clock, just when I got home from work. So yes, yeah, so I've watched too much Star Trek. Occasionally read the odd actor's autobiography. It just, I never considered myself a Trekkie, but it just kind of seep, seeps in there. Um, Star Trek's good. Um, the reason people like it is because it's well written, well produced, they spend money on it, and they hire good actors. So it's it's not as cool as Star Wars. Star Wars is like, oh, I really like Star Wars, but Star Wars is kids' movies. If, if Star Wars is Gryffindor, Star Trek is like Ravenclaw. Um, I, I don't get that reference, but I'll just nod <laughs> in agreement. Oh, I'm, I'm more of a nerd than you. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, did, uh, what's your what's your first um, Star Trek film memory? 
Do you, so do you remember think, which uh, one you saw in the cinema first? Uh, the first one I saw in the cinema first was probably Generations. But yeah, oh, I watched wow. them all on video. Um, I think Wrath of Khan was one of the first videos we ever rented. Um, and yeah, Star Trek works as a franchise because it's basically optimistic. It's kind of the central premise of Star Trek is that we can solve all our problems. Uh, this causes problems to the writers because um, Gene Roddenberry insisted that there could be no conflict between any human characters, which makes it very hard to write interesting drama, but they found a way. Um, so Star Trek started, um, let's see, it, back in the 60s, uh, Lucille Ball's production company commissioned a little sci-fi pilot. It got picked up, ran for three series. The quality declined, the audience went away, and it was cancelled. End of story. Um, but then, by the miracle of syndication, uh, Desilu started selling it to individual markets, so individual TV stations all across America and the world. So Star Trek was like always on everywhere, not at the same time, not on the, the primetime schedule, but everywhere in the world for about 10 years, Star Trek was always on, and it seeped into the public consciousness. Um, so much so that when Leonard Nimoy went to watch Star Wars in the cinema in 1977, his first thought was going to be, was, there's going to be a Star Trek movie. Paramount now owned this franchise, and with the success of Star Wars, it was inevitable that they were going to flog this uh, sci-fi franchise that they owned uh, out in the cinema and see if people would pay to see it. Um, and they did. Uh, often, despite poor quality movies, they always find an audience, and hence the cinematic franchise report. Thank you for that uh, thorough recap there. Um, Save me a job. Tony, uh, what does Star Trek mean to you? I guess my first memories of it are watching, or not even watching, just having it on in the background, the original series during the 80s, and I didn't really like it. My brother liked it. But I was, it wasn't for me, I was more a Star Wars fan. And then in the 90s, I got into TNG, Next Generation. Um, but I remember watching Star Trek II, uh, The Wrath of Khan on ITV in the 80s and 90s and really enjoying that. So that was my first memory of a Star Trek film. And I think the first Star Trek film I went to see in the cinema was Star Trek VI. Um, in 91 or 92 <laughs> so they're, they're my earliest memories of it and I'm a big fan now um, and I got uh, in red in hindsight I look back at uh, the original series and got into to appreciate it more as I got older yeah I agree with Tim you know the I think the thing about Star Trek or its defining feature is its um, ability to show an optimistic version of the future where mankind can work together and or people kind can work together and you know uh, be representative of different nationalities or planets in Star Trek's case and um, I think every series has pushed the boundaries more to be more representative when you in the current like Discovery series you've got you know transgender couple and the gay couple you know it's um, people's boundaries you know to get them to think bigger and more about the issues that mankind faces and 
I guess, going against bigotry and prejudice. Excellent. Uh, John, uh, I know you're uh, a big Star Trek fan. What, what's, uh, what's your first memory of Star Trek? My first memory of uh, Star Trek was actually sitting down on a Wednesday evening at six o'clock and uh, it, come, it coming on and actually watching it with my mum um after after school um all through the 80s ever since it's been how i've kind of been watching it um on you on uk tv back when we only had three maybe four channels i think it's kind of all and then in the 90s when they reinvented it um i think the main thing is that they weren't they weren't afraid of science fiction um from science fact um the original series is all love conquers all love for each other love for mankind uh love universal um when it came back um in the 90s it went really deep into the philosophic philosophical and the, the uh uh science facts and i think it's i think it's that blend of philosophical and the um, engineering, the almost almost real engineering thing, which has helped it to stay the course. Um, my the first film I went to see um, would have been um, Star Trek Three. And, wow! And I went to see well, I went to see Star Trek Three um, because the local village hall had a um, um, had a uh, would run movie nights. Um, so a guy would turn up with a projector and they'd get all the wooden benches out, set them in front of this re really small um, small screen and then project it. And I actually had no, I had no idea what it really was and I actually thought I was watching the wrong film because when Star Trek 3 starts, it's a small picture. It's a small picture on the big screen recapping what happened at the end of 2. So you just kind of, um, is this right? And then it kicks in and it's like, um but the first i then went to see star trek for the voyage home uh with my mother she was more excited to go and see that than i was um she she's she has always been um a really big trekkie but since it first came out in the uk um first time around so yeah and that's and i've e even even the bad ones i i i could i can see the merits in but uh, yeah, that that's my that's my Star Trek history. Cool, uh, and Matt, do you do you like Star Trek? I, I don't actually know. No, well, yeah, you see, I think I'm probably a bit of, bit of an outlier because um, ultimately I was never really um, connect. I never really connected with Star Trek. I, I was aware of it. I was aware of. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. I was aware of um, all the characters. I was, uh, you know. Uh, aware of the tv series the original which would play quite often um during sort of the, the late 80s um i don't know why it, it kind of passed me by and never really caught me i don't think i was a massive sort of telly alex I, I was always quite sporty so i spent quite a lot of time outside of the house and i didn't really sort of like get into movies until i was in my sort of like mid to late teens and and that would would also um i suppose uh be the same for, for for TV series. I was never able to to get to the TV, I suppose, and watch a consistent number of episodes in the, in a show to be able to to you know for it, it to ingrain itself upon me. 
Um, that being said, um, um, I had seen quite a few of the early um, original crew movies, more than any of the TV shows. Um, I'm very much like John. Um, I was taken to see uh, Star Trek Four at the cinema and had no real kind of like knowledge of the background to that movie. Um, which was a good thing, really, because it kind of, albeit it was the end of the cycle of one, of two and three, um, I, it kind of made sense. It stood quite well on its own as, as, a, as a film. Um, and so I didn't really start watching the TV shows until sort of um, uh, I left university and I moved in with a, with a group of lads, and uh, one of them was a big Trekkie, and he had all the VHSs of the, the Next Generation um, and Voyager. And they were all jumbled up and out, out of sequence and back to back. And he, he had to sort of sit me down. I remember coming back from work. I was off ill one time. I was like, oh, yeah, I've got nothing to watch. And he said, oh, I've got tons of this um, Star Trek. And I was like, all oh, right, I might take, dig into that. And, and I went through the, most of the next generation. And I, I really did enjoy it quite a lot. That being said, if you ask me many, many questions about it, I probably, probably wouldn't be able to tell you very much about it. But it's 20 years ago. Um, but yeah, I, you know, having gone back to it, just for this podcast and watched all the movies back to back i had a good time um i enjoyed it and and although i wouldn't class myself as a trekkie um and perhaps i won't have the same opinions as you guys and i certainly don't know the lore or the history of a lot of the episodes and how they kind of straddle straddle the movies to the tv shows to the movies to the tv shows um i had a very good time with it all so um, I'm, i'm glad to talk about them to be honest well that's really good to hear and uh i think it's good that there are differing opinions um, it makes for a better podcast, in my opinion. Um, and hopefully we can inspire listeners, watchers uh, to seek out uh, films uh, from the series uh, that they might not have seen um, so that they can enjoy them just as much as we have. All right, then, uh, let's get to it. Uh, Tim, can you give us our first nomination, please? OK, uh, this is easy. Um, uh, there are some bad Star Trek films. There are some good Star Trek films, but there is only one great Star Trek film. Uh, so the original picture came out. They spent $44 million on it, which was a lot of money back in those days. Um, it made lots of money, but everyone agreed it wasn't very good. Uh, so for the sequel, they decided to slash the budget to only $12 million and make it less about expensive special effects and more about the characters and for this reason they produced the wrath of khan the one only really great star trek movie um this movie that starts with kobayashi maru so it starts with um the enterprise getting blown up and everybody dying uh part of the reason for this was that it had been widely leaked that spock was going to die so i thought they'd do it really early and then make it look like it was a bluff. Um, You get two really good, solid starship battles in this movie. Uh, Both, uh, what the director, Nicholas Meyer, realized was the way to do a good spaceship fight is to make it like a U-boat movie. So it's all like sonar pinging and guessing where to fire fire the torpedoes. It has the best villain of any Star Trek movie. which are the two pecs of Ricardo Montalba, <laughs> uh, reprising his role as Khan, the kind of charismatic superhuman who had been frozen and thawed out by Kirk in the original series, uh, left behind on a 
planet to build a new life, but um, it's discovered on this planet, which has now become a wasteland, by Chekhov. Uh, and for this movie, he seeks his revenge on Kirk for having abandoned him there. Um, actually, Chekhov shouldn't have been in this movie because uh, Chekhov never met, wasn't in the cast when the can was in it. But Walter Koenig was no fool, and he just uh, neglected to point this out to the writers so he would have a bigger part in the movie. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, since, it's since been canonized that he was in the canteen or something, or 10 forward. Yeah. I, I kind of get, get the feeling he may have been part of the crew, he just wasn't part of the bridge crew. Oh. So. You're, you're too forgiving. Man. <laughs> Uh, so yes, uh, Afghan, it features the first uh, C extended CGI sequence in any movie, which still holds up that uh, PowerPoint presentation by Genesis. It still looks good today. <laughs> That's you like a love of PowerPoint CGI. I've seen our guys turn out worse. But uh, yeah. well, um, the, oh yeah, I haven't even got the best bit yet, which is the best line William Shatner has ever delivered in his entire fucking career. Which is, which is the word can. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, watching these movies, I realized Chandler's not a bad actor. He, on a good day, he can deliver. And yeah, he, he's mar marooned inside this rock and he kind of, you can see it kind of building up inside him and it kind of bubbles up from his chest and he just goes, a, a line which has been imitated really since. Um, and then the conclusion. Spock dies. It's like spoilers. Oh come on! <laughs> the, the third movie is called Search for Spock. Uh, yeah, it has one of the most touching romance scenes in movies. You know, you are now and always have been my friend. It's like not a dry eye in house. And then the funeral and Scotty plays the bagpipes and even the Vulcan cries. Um, so yes, it's a great movie. Uh, it decides to make the characters human, uh, and they're starting to deal with the fact that they're getting older rather than pretending this hasn't happened. Yeah, it's a movie about accepting uh, the end of youth, um, but then realizing that there's much more life still to come. Uh, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Tony, what do you think? Um, well, I'm not sure I could put it any more eloquently than Tim does so um, I couldn't agree with him more it's um, it's best or definitely near the top <laughs> I think there are some that nearly equal it but it is probably the best one um, yeah I think the acting in it is fantastic William Shatner and I, I disagree with I think one of the best lines in it is um, when William Shatner says I don't like to lose when he's flipping his communicator in the Genesis cave that's just shouts Kirk to me. <laughs> you know, cocky doesn't like to lose, and uh, having never faced death, that was the uh, the other yes. element of it, isn't he? He's he's forced to face things that he never would in the TV show, like his son, for instance. You know, all his gallivanting around, you know, chatting up the women, you know, uh, a different woman in every port type thing, kind of catches up with him in this film. But I do think also, um, like Tim said, the the whole thing of um, 
accepting the end of youth and the beginning of a next chapter in your life. And Kurt kind of thinks it's the end, really, <laughs> for him. Um, but he, I guess he learns that, you know, there is still plenty of uh, adventures to come in his life. And also the funeral. So, I mean, Lennon Nimoy, and it's brilliant. But the whole kind of, you know, Bones and um, McCoy, uh, yeah, Bones and um, Spock and Kirk, the, the, the trilogy of characters are just fantastic. I mean, that's kind of what makes the original, original films. For, for, and the original series for me. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with Tim. Definitely should be number one. Okay, uh, John. Uh, no argument from me. Um, this definitely make this is one of the um, surefire uh, hard stamped uh, classics that should be on our list. Um, it's uh, it's got a bit of grit to it, um, and um, I, it's got it's got tension, it's got um, humour, it's got um, you, you sometimes you you don't see things coming. This is and um, I mean, what what they kind of did was took elements from the motion picture, which didn't do as well as they thought it was going to. And they kind of melded them back back in, and kind of did. And this is kind of like the soft the soft reboot of the Star Trek movies, because um, they complete complete redesign complete redesign. Apart from the engineers' uniforms, um, it's uh, it's a uh, it's a spaceship full of um, cadets. As opposed to the first one, where they're just kind of bit, they're a bit green, so Kirk has to take over. Um, it's um, yeah, it's about life, death, rebirth, uh, making uh, making something out of nothing. It's it's a heck of a revenge story. I think um, that I think that the the uh, Khan's perfect tribe of Chippendales um, <laughs> is because uh, that's where they ended up getting them. They're all they're, a lot yeah, of them are male, male dancers. Um, uh, uh, and the the model work, the effects are, are good for the time. Every, every yeah, <laughs> you say they took elements yeah. from the first movie. If yeah, you watch really closely. There's like there's a shot from the first movie where uh, an astronaut is like drifting past. Yes. The shuttleport. If you watch really closely, the same astronaut is still drifting past that shuttleport. Yeah, movie. I mean they um, they lifted the entire space dock scene. And put it and put it in because obviously you reuse what you've got. Um, and, and that's, that's the, those shots have been used right up until the end of Deep Space Nine. Absolutely. Um, and the th and the great and the great thing is it works. Um, it, and I think I think it's a te I think it's a testament that, to how good um, the thought that went into it. Not necessarily the money, as, as we saw with the first one. Too much money, and, and um, your focus is in the wrong place. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, the, the last the last time I saw this film before watching it for this on DVD was with William Shatner at a Q&A just before what? just before COVID. Lit literally, I went to see him at the Hammersmith Apollo um, two days before they closed London. Wow. Yeah, he That's was awesome. He was wor worrying how he was going to get home to <laughs> back to Canada. I'd like to add, it's also arguably the most tense Star Trek film, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's like it, it, 
you could almost transpose the story and as Tim said, put it like in a U-boat thriller or well, you know, warship thing. It kind of it does translate. Actually, you said yes. The U-boat thing's interesting because if you think of this as the U-boat film, U-boat films, the naval films, then Star Star Wars is is the aircraft is the aircraft movies. It's the, the fighter pilots. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the bombers. So yeah, I mean the kind the kind of go together is with the different styles. But yeah, this is, I I think that this is this is, I think this is cool. So uh, sorry, I've got Matt. one more one more okay. point. Also, on, I, I found sorry in 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 this as a as a child watching it, it's it's almost like the first time that I got to experience the death of a character that meant something to me. Yeah. I know, like he came back in the next film, but it is very poignant, you know. You know, you know. I mean, well, that was death at that point, and it kind of hits you in the face. Well, he wasn't originally meant to come back. It's just um, Leonard Nimoy was being such a dick on the day of the film, his death scene. Um, Allegedly, realised he'd uh, he was maybe onto a good thing, so he kind of insisted that they do the uh, mind meld bit with McCoy just to give him an option. Well, that and the whole Genesis thing is a really good idea to bring people back in the yeah. middle, isn't it? So. Uh, I was just going to touch on your point there, Tony. Uh, did you not get moved by Optimus Prime dying in Transformers the movie? That I did. I, that that I saw that at the cinema, and that really yeah. hurt. That oh, hurt more than Spock. But <laughs> <laughs> I did see Spock first die. So. Oh, okay. All right. Star Trek Two's 1982 Transformers movies, 86, 87. Yeah. But yeah, I remember um, as a, a eight or nine year old child crying at that scene. <laughs> same. Uh, Matt, uh, Wrath of Khan. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this one a lot. Um, I'd seen it before many, 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 many years ago, and it was probably the second, I think the second Star Trek movie that I'd seen um, after The Voyage Home. And um, again, it was so out of sequence that I just assumed that it wasn't linked to any of the films, which seeing it again now for the for the um, second time, realized that, um, you know, there was a story arc of sorts that go through uh, the second film, the third film and the fourth film, albeit, you know, rather simplified. Um, yeah, I, I'm just I just get captivated every time by um, uh, uh, the, the chest of Ricardo Montalwan. I mean, it's just, it's, you can't take your eyes off it, can you? It's, uh, it's not a prosthetic yeah. either. It's, it's not, yeah, no, it's the, and there's, therein lies that, that little, um, the, the meme, the history of that, the, the joking fact that people thought it was a prosthetic chest. And, um, it took many years up until not, not too long ago for a, a production still to come out of him having makeup done. Um, and it's it, you know it's it shows his chest with with barely any other costume on, and it's his you know it's his own chest. So he's uh, he was what was he about sort of fifty nine sixty or something? He was he was in his sixties, yeah. wasn't he? Um, so the guy was was pretty fit. And I mean he is uh, he is that movie. Uh, he is the perfect foil to uh, to Shatner in that movie, um, and he he really does pull out all the stops. And, and he's having he has so much fun as well. He does, he does, and he commands. He does, yeah. He chews it absolutely, and and you can tell even down to the the, the final um, uh, the final sequence in the nebula. Yeah. Um, he never gives up, uh, does Khan, and he, he you know he he, he almost. Um, in fact, well, he does steal every scene from everybody in the last twenty-five minutes or so. After after um, Shatner's had his Khan, 
and <laughs> La- a Khan line. Um, uh, the rest of the movie is, is just uh, Ricardo Montalban's fantastic. And I, I enjoy the um, special effects. Again, you were talking about them. They, they really do hold up fairly well. Um, and to- talking about the nebula stuff, I, I, I loved all that, all the purples and the greens and how they did it, reading it up on it and how they did it. Um, you know, they, they, they used all sorts of chemicals and it's actually uh, filmed in a saltwater tank. Um, and filmed at like two or three frames a second and then played back faster to make it look more fluid. Um, it's just fa- fascinating ha- how they did those special effects early on in, in, in the 80s. Um, the music's good as well, James Horner, um, I believe. Was this his first big break? He was, yeah, it was. Um, and a good score, really good score, very kind of like... Um, uh, uh, it goes with the whole theme of, of it being almost like like a like a war movie, a, 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 a naval war movie, as he said. Um, and weirdly, it's a score that he he used on lots of other films like Kroll and <laughs> right. He repeated the motifs. Did he? Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm absolutely yeah. I, I have to say yes to this one. Um, it, it's it is probably the pinnacle uh, or close to um, having come to it um, later stage in my life um and watched all 13 but sort of back to back um it's it's it is remarkable how nicholas meyer 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 was the the only kind of real decent director that they had brought in on those first um five movies um i mean i know there's another decent two maybe in in, in the first five that are good but yeah it's strange really to me how how the whole the whole kind of star trek um uh science fiction movie sequences never brought in any major directors um seems a bit strange well, to robert, me because robert weiss yeah. well, well the first yeah but that was the first one we all know the well they also was, th- it was a bit of a stinker so and they threw yeah. money at it they did it didn't it, I, it, it got i think it basically just it just overspilled and there was too much money and not enough uh, coherence really um i i think ego's got in the way of uh good directors coming in um <laughs> anyone's when, in particular it, well when they gave leonard nimoy the um the shot uh, obviously shatner then was desperate to do it um and and then he got his chance in star trek five um so yes, I, I, I think, and then they just kind of, you know, it was just a competition uh, after that, really, um, which is probably the main reason why we didn't get um, big name directors doing the the middle chunk of the original series films. Um, well, Leonard Nimoy is an incredibly successful director with the Star Trek films, and then Three Men and a Baby as well. Yeah. That was that was one of the biggest films that year, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the uh, only two. That's the only two he ever made, though. Really, the other ones. No, he did make good ones, but just weren't as successful. <laughs> um, uh, another uh, thing about Star Trek Two is it's the beginning of essentially a, a, a Star Trek trilogy, isn't it? Yes, it two, is. Yeah. They kind of all like if you watch them, you could watch them as like one complete. Two, two I, three, I and four to, are very I, good. I always used to get freaked out by the um, the the SETI the SETI oh, yeah. the eels uh, the the cockroaches or the eels yes. they were called that crawling in the ears that used to freak me out yes really freaked me out um, I think Chekhov and uh, Koenig did a uh, really good job with that um, conveying and the, you know we're seeing as we've already given out quite a few spoilers anyway uh, I, I like the fact that you're you're kind of given the red herring that that 
they're they they've they've sort of recovered but they haven't sort of really and that they've they've been kind of sort of tricked into it by giving false information by Khan uh, about the Genesis project and where everybody is and yeah it's really it's really good and it does hold up very very well. All right, well that's four nominations uh, and uh, I'll round it out with a fifth. Um, I love this film. Um, I agree with everything that you guys have said. Um, the only thing I think uh, I can add is that there was um, an extra subplot that had to be cut with uh, Scotty's nephew, who is the um, cadet who gets killed. Uh, um, the, the I just see a, a shot. Yeah, it's in the director's cut, I think. Mm. Um, That's and, I think that adds to the, the story, the four minutes or so that was added. It's, they should have left yeah. it. Yeah, um, and yeah, it's a fantastic score. Uh, Ricardo Montalban is the best villain that the the Enterprise has faced, and I think they have um, they've been trying to match that ever since, uh, and it's never quite matched it. Um, it's got close at times, but but. Um, yeah, uh, Khan is the is the pinnacle, and it was a great idea for them to uh, do it as a sequel to Space Seed, which is the original episode that it was based on, um, with Khan and his super soldiers. Well, that is uh, a full house for Wrath of Khan as our first nomination. So, uh, Tony, what uh, what are you going to put in to the hat? I'm torn between two um, <laughs> to put in. Um, I mean, there were like with Wrath of Khan, there would definitely be my top three. So I am going to go and swap enterprises and go with First Contact. Okay. I Contact. feel yeah, I feel it's the best of the next generation films. I feel I feel it's got a very um, interesting and menacing bad guy. I always loved the Borg as a bad guy in the next generation. Um, and it kind of made them threatening again after maybe them losing their legs a bit in um, towards the end of the next generation. Um, I think every cast member has uh, their moment to shine in this film. The special effects are great. Um, you know, um, while there may be the occasional pothole, I feel the momentum of the film car carries it forward to the next sequence. And I think. Um, the Boar Queen's a, you know, good, bad woman. <laughs> um, you know, the where she descends from the ceiling was a, you know, great piece of special effect. And um, Jonathan Frakes um, gets his uh, outing as director, and I think he, you know, shines with that. And Jerry Goldsmith does the music. I think that's an awesome soundtrack on. Uh, maybe not quite as good as Wrath of Khan or Star Trek Six. that's another one that sort of sticks in my mind. Um, so yeah, that's my, my. I mean, you know, Patrick Stewart's awesome, you know, Red Spiner, Data, they, obviously they're the characters that are kind of the, the main ones from the original cast in it. Um, the original Next Generation cast, but um, yeah, I just, it's a good kick-ass film, I think. All right, uh, start your first contact, John. Um, 
yeah um it's a rip roaring adventure film and yet another that actually uh plays on themes that came from an earlier episode or an earlier bad guy um and the whole idea of um uh data and his emotion chip which he put to one side uh he just so happens to get it out now um and it's it's very i it's very slick uh it's got it's got a really good space battle at the beginning uh, against the ball cube as they're they're pushing uh on into earth um patrick stewart um actually ups his um his uh picardness by actually um going back to almost more of the original picard from the original uh tng series where he's a bit sterner obviously he's got more on it. he's got a reason now he's got more on his mind um the fact the fact that they won't let him uh they won't let him fight the borg and he's got the borg talking in his ears it's still from being locutus um yeah uh i like uh um i, li- I like Co- i like the idea that cochran is not the big hero um, the inventor of uh, warp, warp drive isn't. It, it was a bum just trying to make some money. Yeah, and Alfred Woodard is a, a brilliant twenty-first uh, century foil to the twenty twenty-fourth, twenty-fifth century Picard, um, and basically the, the whole uh, anachronistic um, uh, Moby, Moby Dick Ape, Ahab twists to the character really cool and data get gets to shine that little bit more and yeah i like I, this is this is one that should be on our list as well this is a high one all right I would say uh, this almost plays to a degree opposite to star trek 2 because you've got khan trying to get his revenge in that film against kirk and in this one picard the starfleet character who should not be really seeking revenge wants to get his vengeance upon the, the Borg in, in a way. But both have a strong Moby Dick theme to them. Mm. Yeah. Khan, Khan's quoting Moby Dick at the end of Wrath of Khan and then the bringing Captain Ahab references in this one. Yeah. And also, like, in like in the best of both worlds, which this one ties into um, from the Next Generation series, you know, Captain Card's essentially, you know, the violator, isn't he? So it kind of deals with a, a theme that perhaps men are not used to as well. <laughs> they don't think of themselves being, you know, held against their will or, you know, bad things happening to them, which may not be present in other Star Trek films. Yeah. Arguably the uh, the best two-parter in uh, Star Trek Next Generation. Uh, uh, Matt, uh, First Contact. Yeah, yeah, again, this is another one I, I enjoyed. Um, I'd seen this at the cinema, um, again, with no real history with Star Trek. And, um, uh, and I enjoyed it at the cinema uh, as well. It was um, it, it was not to my liking as much the second time I've seen it. Um, but I think you know it's an it's another time travel uh, film. There's there's a couple of them that they kind of replay these kind of themes through um, some of the movies. Um, yeah, the, the the space battle, as John said at the beginning, was was really good. It's 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 quite exhilarating, taking on the Borg. Um, I'd not seen um, the the Next Generation episodes with um, with the Borg 
um, at the point that this movie came out. This was what, 95, 96? Maybe 96, yeah. So um, I I hadn't seen any of the next generation until maybe another four or five years after this. Um, And uh, to me, I didn't have that connection with it. So, um, you know, having watched them um, years later, the the Next Generation episodes, and seeing how how dangerous the Borg were because of the um, the fact that they can just assimilate societies, and you know they they can they can um, they can uh, um, you can't fire your weapons against them because they they've managed to to cha- uh, to pick up the the whatever it is <laughs> whatever it is the weapons are able to fight fire, and um, you know it was I, I don't know I. I'm not sure I enjoyed it the most out of some of the ones that I watched. I'd only ever seen, like I said, about maybe three or four of the films. So for me, going back to this, I was quite happy to kind of put this one towards the end um, and then see what the others had to offer. Yeah, it is good. It's a bit further down the list on uh, on my list. Um, I liked James Cromwell in it. I thought he he, he did a really good, um, he did really well in his role um as john said it was you know it's nice to see that he wasn't this perfect um historical figure that they'd all grown up and you know they had quite decent humor in this film as well which not all the the star trek films have but when they do they the 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 family that's created within the 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 crew of the the ships or of, of each set of movies um that's what i think what the running theme that runs across all the star trek um uh, different uh, shows and the different crews and the different movies is the fact that we all kind of associate ourselves with with the family that they create and um, some of the humor in this is really good I, li- I like the humor with data um, and there's some good stuff with um, the the engineer guy I can't remember his name so Jordy. Remind me of Jordy. Jordy yeah Jordy LaForge um, why wasn't it um, the the young lads in these movies um, the boy, the, the boy, Wesley, yeah, Wesley, Wesley, Wesley Crusher, yeah. Why, why wasn't he in the in the films? Was there some reason that he he was he's written out? I think at the end of the Next Generation TV series, he goes off to become some interdimensional space wizard or something. He kind of so his character is written out of. Um, yeah, he left in season four, didn't he? Because yeah, yeah. I did it. All oh, right, okay. bigger and better things, and then he, he, yeah, he, he is he turned in, up in. And as Tim said, an interdimensional space wizard is probably as, as good, <laughs> good as, yeah. as any. It's it's kind of strange. They there was a, a plot in the season four episode or season five where he um, become befriends the, uh, an alien called the Traveler, and basically then says, "Yeah, he's a super being. He's not human, or he, you know." And and then they, that was it. He was just gone, and. And then it wasn't until Insurrection, the final Next Generation film, where he appears at yeah, um, he's the star, isn't he? Riker and Troy's wedding. Yeah, um, it had a really good scene that they cut out of that actually. It was this one scene. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I, th- I think I think I think um, uh, Will Wheaton actually had a heck of a childhood with his par- with his parents, so I think I think he was happy to step away and come back and step back in as and when. Uh, he was wanted. I think that's kind of that's kind of where he sat with with it all. So oh, there's there's um there's rumor that he might appear in the next season of Picard. Well, they brought back Whoopi. They brought back everybody, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So yes. So, anyway, yeah, that was yes, a, that was a yes. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so 
So that's a yes from you. Uh, and it's a yes from me. Um, I uh, love this film. Uh, I agree with Tony completely. It's uh, the best next generation film, in my opinion. Um, uh, Patrick Stewart is uh, phenomenal in this film. I, I think he gets so much good dialogue. He has a brilliant speech about the Borg um, that uh, get, just gets you really like riled up and uh, you can see that he is traumatized by the invasion uh, and um, it being turned into Locutus of Borg um, and, and the anger. And uh, there's so many callbacks to the series. Um, he, he, he goes into the holodeck as Dixon Hill um, and it, you know he gets a Tommy gun and shoots some Borg, which is really cool. Takes the safety protocols off the holodeck. Um, uh, it's yeah, it is, uh, his um, his nephew and his brother uh, die at the beginning. Yeah. He, he hears that they die at the beginning of the film. That's generations. Oh, was that generations? Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry. Um, and uh, yeah, so it. Uh, it's it, it, the score is brilliant. Uh, the the Enterprise E I think is really cool, um, and then we get to see the Defiant uh, kicking ass. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there's a great little bit with um, where Worf. Yeah, that's the excuse to get Worf in the ship. Yes. Uh, where he's captaining the the Defiant, and and Jonathan Frakes Riker says, "Tough little ship." Uh, and and Worf's like offended by that. Um, yeah, just it's great. It was humor. It was, it's really dark. Uh, I, yes. I've, yes I've actually, yeah, I've actually just thought that this is this is actually Star Star Trek Zombies. Yeah, yeah. I, the the whole the whole concept is they just keep on coming, and it doesn't matter because there's so many of them, they will just overwhelm. So yeah. 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 Uh, and yeah, the Borg Queen. Um, I've got the mm. actress's name. Alice Creek. Uh, thank you. Uh, menacing, sexy, uh, just brilliant. And um, seeing yeah. her head and s spine yeah. going into the yeah, it's uh, great entrance. suit. Yeah, brilliant entrance. App apparently, um, that's 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 what got her to do it. In this case, if I'm no no one else is ever going to enter character is ever going to enter a scene like that ever. Yeah, <laughs> and she uh, she reprised the role twice for Voyager as well. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, it's it's yes me. Um, Tim, what do you think of First Contact? Um, yeah, by a long shot, the best Next Generation movie. Um, yeah, so the, the Borg are great baddies are the best baddies in the revamped Star Trek when they did Next Generation um, but I like this film that they didn't just kind of give people what they want which is just like a big long Borg battle and um, the thought about it they introduced uh, the whole Zephram Cochran backstory and I like the whole thing where Zephram Cochran the whole basis of this Federation he's just a bit of a bum and he's just out for money and He's like, a, I think Zephyr Cockham appears in the original series. He does, yeah. Zek from very Cochran different from character. Worry, and yeah, they completely rewrote him. Got James Cornwell on, who is cameoed in just a bit about every. I'm not sure they rewrite him apart because he he's in Enterprise as well, and he's so, kind of become more like the character. Oh, yeah. in the original. Enterprise, Enterprise actually comes out comes out after. This. Well, uh, the, yeah. here's here's I, I really the like thing. What Enterprise did with it, actually. So, in Enterprise, 
um, the Borg don't go back in time next year, the Enterprise crew don't show up and what actually happens is, is Zephyr Cochran just when he meets a Vulcan pulls out his shotgun and blows him away and what? that's the whole start yeah, of the evil mirror universe that recurs throughout Star Trek um, so without the Borg trying to destroy humanity uh, humanity would have become the evil Terran Empire but because the Borg do this the um, Federation is founded and the thi- the Borg actually creates the thing that defeats them which is an in- interesting bit of retconning in the Enterprise so Enterprise but, but then that, but that's, in, that's mirror universe yes, that happens it, yes Enterprise they came up with the concept that right the, so the events of this movie actually prevented the creation of the mirror universe. Yeah, I know. Now, to Ow. be fair, to be fair, I watched about seven episodes of Enterprise. And yeah, then gave I up. watched one. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, me, it's I was long road. After I got to the Sorry. theme tune, I was pretty much done with Enterprise. But yeah. recently, <laughs> I did try rewatching it, and after you sit through the first couple of series, it gets very good. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I do the Borg. The Borg ship, the, the the sphere ship that crashed or got blown up, the debris lands in the Antarctic, and Jonathan Archer actually encounters the Borg there. Oh. Doesn't know what they are, <laughs> and they send the signal that apparently it's the first Borg cube, which is in the next generation. <laughs> yeah, that's after a few uh, seasons of Enterprise when they started to have some good ideas. All right, but See, um, I, yeah, I so, had a bit of a theory um, with the. Uh, the cameo that James Cromwell's um, Zephyr Cochran has at the beginning of Enterprise, in that I I thought that because he started off as a bum, the Enterprise travels back in time. They then uh, affect how he sees things. He becomes yes. Zephyr Cochran yeah. that uh, the the Federation know because of the Enterprise crew, and then he then is inspired to give that speech. Uh, at the beginning of Enterprise, yes. so it's this kind of um, uh, t- time conundrum uh, paradox where it's like, would they have have they already travelled back in time then in order to help Cochrane invent warp travel? Yeah, I am my own grandpa sort of thing. Well, I mean, yeah. the thing is, he invent he does actually invent warp warp travel. It's the fact that the Borg Borg turn up. But, from what, I, from what I understand, um, all they did was kind of fix the base while <laughs> Cochrane Cochran got on with fixing the ship. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, oh yeah. yeah. Um, it is yes for me. There's things I don't like about it. Um, I, think I, I, I'm, I think Alice Creek is really good, but the, how, the idea of having a board queen, I kind of feel defeats what makes the Borg scary because the whole point of them is the have erased all individuality and it's just one kind of well that, they were copying on this wall of they were doing james music. cameron weren't they it's it's basically aliens yeah uh, yeah there's a little bit yeah the dude kind of it does become a zombie movie yeah i love a zombie movie but it's slightly changing what the kind of the good original idea of the borg but yes it's the best enterprise movie it gives all the cast which is what all the Star Trek movies struggle with, is giving all the cast members something to do. Uh, this one finds a role for everyone. Um, Reg, uh, what, Reg is back. Oh yeah, you and Reg. Like yeah. Reg. So it's um, the Doctor from Voyager. 
Yeah. Worf has that great line um, when Picard calls him a coward. It's like, if you were any other man, I would kill you where you stand. <laughs> Which is my favorite line from the movie. Um, yes, yeah, so it's a yes for me. Definitely. Easy okay, so that is our second nomination. Uh, John, give, okay. give, us, uh, give us a film. What okay, um, I'm going to jump again. Um, and I'm going to go with one which you this one definitely should be in the top I think it should definitely be in our top seven I don't think you should necessarily I don't think you'll necessarily agree it'll be right up there but into the Kelvin um, I'm going to go for beyond Star Trek beyond um, and weirdly having this conversation um, we're we're back to recycling uh, recycling old plot points um, it is Kirk Kirk out in space, Christopher uh, Chris Pine um, out in space, wondering what he's doing out there. Has he wasted his life? Um, should he be should he become a, a fleet admiral? Um, and then, uh, unlike unlike uh, a lot of these, uh, the Enterprise is wiped out really quickly and really fast. I mean, usually it's used as a plot plot point uh, towards the end of the film, but this is, um, and they're all stranded stranded on this planet. Um, they've been they're being uh, picked off one by one, and being held captive by these uh, group of creatures who have lived on this planet um, in a um, uh, what like, a bit like the Briar Patch in Insurrection. It's a place where radio signals don't really get out, and it's sort of very it's highly highly protected um from communicate from communications and and so they're there and kirk has managed to uh get uh, most of the crew have got off the ship and um they're there um it's then a case of get the crew back um these aliens are looking for a particular artifact which one of the crew have um it's a mass genocide device as always it usually turns out to be in these things and um it's it turns into how do we how do we how do we save the crew uh how do we save how, how do we how do we stop the mass slaughter at the moon at the star base just out, just outside uh just outside of this area the, the yorktown i believe it is um I think that this is this isn't a this isn't a retcon this isn't a restart this is this is a Star Trek this is a Star Trek film with a Star Trek story standing on its own it hasn't it's not buying into any of the it actually isn't buying into any of the um, backstory. It's not trying to replicate anything that's gone before. It's uh, it is a Star Trek adventure, and uh, I think Chris Pine, his Kirk has grown has grown up and has uh, become more mature with his time as a captain. Bones is great. Bones is Carl uh, Urban does the best DeForest Kelly ever. Um, and he almost wasn't in it because he really hated what what how little he did in two. In um, uh, into darkness, 
Um, Spock is given layers, which you, um, which um, is great. We don't. Ha we have a nod to Le Leonard Nimoy, but he's not actually. He's not um, a major part. He's not a major key to it. Um, uh, we have relationships going wrong, and then we have a, ma a mass disaster. And then we have a mass disaster. Mass disaster, and everyone's got to pull together to get off the planet. Uh, so um, the, we have Scotty, Simon Pegg stepping up and uh, saving saving the day with his new with his new alien friend. Um, as uh, and it's you okay? You can tell it's being directed by Jason Lin. Okay, it's it's a fa it's got it's got some speed. It's got a bit of style to it, but I think it works. And I think this works I, ahead. I would, I, I would go argue that that's a plus point compared to J.J. Uh, Abrams sometimes. Well, I, my, my argument is that J.J. Abrams makes a very good first film, but you try and get him to make a second one in the same <laughs> vein, and he, and, and he, leans, too far, he leans too far into it. He makes okay. very good films. It, just, it definitely doesn't concentrate on the coherent plots. Yeah. Good with characters, not so good yeah. on story. But I, I, I actually like this. I like the fact that they go a different way. I like the fact that Simon Pegg co-wrote the script. Um, you can tell. Um, I like the fact that the uh, radio transmission they use to jam the hive uh, attack ships is um, it's a class. It's classical. <laughs> it's late, late 20th century classical music. Um, and um, the second they used that in the trailer, you thought, Oh, this is interesting. This is a different way to go. And then you suddenly find out that actually it's an integral part of the film. And it's a case of, oh, okay, that works. <laughs> I'll go with that. They, they may, it make it makes sense. The um, flying the Enterprise through the middle of a, a deep space station, um, down, basically down space station sized Jeffrey tubes is interesting. Um, I, I actually think that this is. I, I have I, on these podcasts there are, there tend to be one or two films which I think are really pared back and really simple and they just go for the ride and this is one of those films it doesn't try too hard but when it what it does do I think it does incredibly well so I, I think that of the Kel, of the Kelvin this is at, this is probably my favorite so I think this should be on the list all right, uh, Star Trek Beyond is John's nomination. Matt, do you like the Tel Kelvin timeline and uh, Beyond in particular? Um, I do like the Kelvin timeline. I think you know if you're going to reboot a series, um, then you, you, how, how else are you going to do? I, part of me thinks, well, they should have just gone and kept it at the same timeline, replaced the actors, um, uh, replaced the characters with with uh, with actors, and just carried on in the same. Um, the same timeline um but i like what he's i like what jj abrams did and um you know i did enjoy the first reboot the the uh the first film um i enjoyed all three of them i'll be honest with you i hadn't seen um i'd seen the first one once i hadn't seen the other two at all so um i actually came to it and i i really enjoyed the second one quite a lot um that being said it's not going to be nominated by for me here but the third one is probably yeah maybe the joint joint favorite out of these three that have uh, just gone recently um i i have to say that 
one of my favorite sequences in, in the whole series of films going back to to the the 70s is probably the the chase sequence inside yorktown i think that was fantastic and justin lynn did an amazing job there um some brilliant brilliant special effects and totally unexpected uh, i didn't see it going that direction at all um uh, for anyone who doesn't know the, the classical song was sabotaged by the beastie boys um <laughs> which is classical music, uh, as far as they're concerned. <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't know, I didn't, I, I enjoyed less on the planet's surface. I didn't really enjoy that section as much. Um, uh, you've got, what, Idris Elba completely and utterly uh, in disguise um, uh, for most of this movie. I liked where that story plot went to, to be quite honest. Uh, I thought that was quite, quite interesting, um, how it turned out um, in the end. Um, I liked the the final uh, fight sequence in, in Yorktown where they have the, the, the issues with gravity and, and floating in one direction and they, they you know creating vortexes. And I, it was it was a very very enjoyable film. As John said, it was one of those ones where they just left pretty much everything behind um, that had gone before and finally focused on a fresh story without any hints at the past as such. Um, quite scary the uh the the, the hives um uh, and the uh um the uh, were they all manned by the way all those those crafts or were they automated because there were so many of them and there didn't think, seem to be that many yeah i think they're i think crew. they're kind of dr i think they're drones. The drones i think a lot of them are drones right. i think that's right. why they had the radio frequencies to oh, i see to I see. keep them in formation yeah it's, it's really good um I enjoyed it. I, I would recommend it to to anyone. Um, I, I like all three of those uh, Kelvin timeline films, um, to be quite honest. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to see this one go on there. Yeah. Okay, that's uh, one nomination from Matt. Uh, I um, I've really struggled with the Kelvin timeline. Um, I went. I have seen them all in the cinema, um, and. Uh, I was very hesitant uh, the first one um, and I there was a lot I didn't like about the concept and the idea and getting destroying Vulcan and bringing back Spock and uh, so I I've never uh, I've never rated the the Kelvin timeline films very highly so I'm just going to cut it short here and say it's a no from me um tim uh beyond do you like star trek beyond um well yeah this is uh, my favorite of the kelvin timelines um yeah. uh yeah it's good i think it was right to hand it over to simon Pegg and wrench it from the claws of jj abrams it's a good solid adventure it's first i think this is the first of those three movies where they get the balance of tone right mm. into darkness is like really dark this is, it's a good fun adventure, but they have the lighter moments. They, they know that work works well to Star Trek is the scenes with the interplay between the various characters. So they get, you get a good bit of Spock and Bones. Um, uh, you get Scotty, you can tell he wrote the script because he gets to spend all the time with the beautiful alien. <laughs> uh, I can't remember that actress's name, but she's brilliant. Sophia, uh, Sophia Bujosa? Yeah, she's brilliant in everything except the mummy. Um, but nobody's that's not it. her fault <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah it's really good a fun adventure I like I really like the Yorktown bit at the end where all it's like a 3D Escher print 
where they yeah. do the whole gravity distortion at the center. Uh, only downside of this for me is Idris Elba's character. He has a really interesting backstory, but you, that you don't find out until like the very end of the movie. And the rest of the movie is just a guy in heavy makeup. So yeah, I thought his character was underdeveloped, and that's part of why the reason this movie didn't do that well. It was kind of quite hard to sell because they couldn't. They just had a generic body, and they couldn't really, really tell you anything about the body in the promotion for the movie because it was a spoiler. Um, but yeah, good movie, best Kelvin movie. Um, I these actors are really great at playing characters that have been played more by other actors before and this is the movie where they settle in and are comfortable in themselves and they do a great job so yes definitely yes for me okay uh and tony what uh he has made it um tony would you agree i'm you know what chris i'm kind of with you and tim at the same time i've always had I like the characters and the actors that play them in the Kelvin timeline. I've had significant issues with the Kelvin timeline just because some of the the logic and the, the stories are complete tosh <laughs> <laughs> in many ways. But I, 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 like most J.J. Abrams movies, I, I feel like the you know the actors he casts and the characters carry the film. Um, on that note, I do feel that this is the best Kelvin movie um, and you know I think as people have said before the, 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 the actors come into their own, they, they mesh well um, and I felt Idris Elba's story was very reminiscent of like classic uh, Toss is it called? The original series <laughs> so um, I'm going to say yes Okay, so that's four. All right, uh, Matt, have you got a nomination for us? Uh, well, having listening to you, to you guys, I've realised how how little I know about um, Star Trek. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, mate. It, it, yeah, it's one of those things where I'm kind of like, oh, okay, right, I kind of don't know what to say really. Um, <laughs> as far as pure movie going experiences are concerned, um, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna go back to the original. Uh, five uh, the original crew who let's face it we're all you know they're all in their 60s weren't they most of them anyway uh, when when the 80s had turned around um, I'm going to go back to 1986 I'm going to say the, the voyage home um, it was my first introduction real introduction to, to Star Trek um, and I remember really enjoying it, having no interest in, in Star Trek before this and not knowing any of the characters' backstory or backgrounds. Um, <clears throat> I, I enjoyed it when I was a kid. Um, it's the one I've seen probably the most, to be honest. I find it the, the, the most fun. It's probably the most frivolous out of all of them. Um, and I like it for that fact. I think it's just a fun instalment. Um, it's it's a bit of a uh, an end to the trilogy as we've we've discussed before <clears throat> with khan and the search for spock and after recovering spock we begin the film um on um vulcan and uh, the the crew are, are kind of harboring themselves there as they're wanted aren't they by the um 
by the uh, United Federation for um, Crimes. Uh, we haven't spoken about Star Trek III yet. Uh, maybe somebody will, I don't know. But there, there is story there that needs to kind of make sense. Um, but anyway, so we're going back to, to this and uh, the, the, the planet Earth is in trouble again um, from, oh, oh look, it's another alien probe. So they're, they're going back to, to previous uh, plot lines and storylines again. There's another alien pr- probe that is, uh, is approaching Earth and it's, um, it's creating blackouts on ships and it finally makes its way to Earth and uh, it starts screwing around with the, the weather. Um, and the, uh, the the signal it's sending out is uh, um, decoded by um, by the crew of the Enterprise, and um, they discover that it's the the whale song. It's whale song of, of now extinct whales uh, on Earth, uh, humpback whales. So of course they decide to go back in time to try and recover a whale. Uh, I mean the plot is ridiculous. It's absolutely, ridiculous, but it's so much fun. It's so much fun. And of course, you know, they just suddenly decide to go back in time like it's something that, that, that you know, everyone's able to do. And that, you know, there may have been episodes, this is where my knowledge stops, there may have been episodes where time travel in, in the 23rd century has, has been done before in some of the TV shows. So, but for me, it was... It, 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 oh, does it? Right. So they slingshot around the, the sun. Right. Right. It is right. based on the degree of scientific... Ah. Yeah, gravitational yeah. fields and things yeah. like that. So. Of course, of course, <clears throat> and, and they do it safely, and nothing bad, nothing bad happens apart from the really yeah. Mark uh, has that really weird dream, doesn't he? Which is one of the most surreal things in Star Trek, where you know the kind of all the heads, yeah, are all the floating up, heads. Yeah. yeah, I used to love that section. I thought I found it fascinating. All those heads, everyone, every one of the the crew's head kind of like floats up out of the clouds as they travel back in time with lightning and weather and it's it's, it's really really good fun anyway so so they land back in san francisco um in ninth uh, what was the day was it supposed to be 1986 yeah, yeah. pretty but much yeah so it was pretty much the day of present it was present day wasn't it when it was released uh, the actual film was released um and i like the fact that everyone gets their own they all pair off don't they um mm-hmm. to go and discover their own kind of um uh, storylines to help uh, uh, fix this the enterprise how to um, uh, engineer a, a giant uh, aquarium for this this whale and um, I, I love those kind of uh, couples that they, they break off to and they have some really good funny moments you've got uh, Hura and Chekhov go off to, <laughs> to a nuclear submarine good can, yeah, you, can you direct us to the nuclear whistles? <laughs> the nuclear whistles. The nuclear whistles. Where's um, Sosalito? In nuclear, where the nuclear whistles are? It's the so pilot, funny. It's so funny. It's absolutely... In that scene, the lady who stops and gives them directions, she was just a lady on the street. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I heard that, yeah. And after she did and gave such like a perfect response, yes. they had to chase after and like grab her and sign up to the Screen Actors Guild so they could use her line in the movie. Oh, that's fantastic, that. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, and there's moments like that speckled throughout. Uh, you know, there's a bit with... Uh, D. Forrest Kelly, uh, Bones, was always my favourite character. Always my favourite character. Um, back then and now. I think he was a fabulous, he was a very droll actor, um, a very, very clever actor. Um, I think he stood up not only in character, but also his acting style against Sh- uh, Shatner and, um, and uh, Leonard Nimoy. Um, and of course, you've got Leonard, Leonard Nimoy uh, and Spock uh, coming off the back of um, his, uh, his 
maybe someone can help me with this one but he has his spiritual his 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 spirit put back into his catra. body catra catra yes. okay, yeah that's catra so he's learning to to uh to access his his previous memories um even during this film um so for him there's some funny moments as well as, as he's and he's he's walking through downtown san francisco in, in what looks like some sort of monk's robe um it, it's just it's so funny really good and um yeah so did deforest kelly uh, bones and scotty go off to to try and get this special plastic made where there's some sort of this this so yeah there's some sort of paradox going on there as well aren't they giving them a formula to create yeah. well how do we don't know how do we know they didn't create it anyway <laughs> exactly so that solves that problem apparently they've just developed something very similar to it yeah they press aluminium to its maximum density it's transparent right it's super thin and it's super strong yeah um so yeah and the special effects are a bit ropey in this especially the um where's the cloaking device come from by the way I didn't oh is that's that. a sta- that's a standard cl- that's a standard klingon uh, yeah, oh is it oh right oh yeah sorry i forgot to say they were in a klingon warship yes they? that was that was that was from the other it wasn't the enterprise someone should have stopped me there they weren't in the enterprise <laughs> all right you didn't you didn't say anything wrong <laughs> I would have, okay. I would have jumped in. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's a fantastic uh, movie. It's funny. It's ent- it's one of the most, in fact, if not the most entertaining out of all of the movies up until the Kelvin timeline, where you get um, huge entertainment from special effects, albeit quite shallowly. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'd like this one to go in. And big, big shout out to the music, by the way, as well. And I'm trying to recall the name of the. Um, composer but he also did the music for um the lord of the rings uh, oh it's leonard roseman he did do it for the, Le- the lord of the rings uh, animation the, the ralph bakshi animation yes. um and it is so similar that the the the, the actual composition of of those two scores are incredibly similar and it's just brilliant it's got loads of trumpets loads of orchestral it's absolutely fantastic soundtrack and there's bits on youtube if you look at if you look them up the where they compare the two scores together from those two films and they are almost identical um yeah brilliant brilliant film uh, enjoyable and i like the bit at the end uh where they where everything works out they go back to the the 23rd century and they all have to jump in the, in the in the giant giant water tank or sorry the um the the the, the pacific ocean san francisco and, bay yeah, yeah san francisco bay and they all look like they're having a literal whale of a time oh. <laughs> dunking each other in the it's just i love it i really do love it i, I, I hope it can make all right uh, star trek for the voyage home uh it's me and uh it's it's not up there um, as one of the best uh, original films for me, but um, I I think there's a lot of charm to it. Uh, it's one that I remember watching a lot on home video um, and on the TV. Um, I was too young to go and see this at the cinema, um, I, but I, yeah, I have, there are two or three uh, original films that are better, in my opinion, but it is on my in my top five. Um, so it's a yes for me. Tim. Um, yeah, this is a yes for me. This is uh, this is Nimoy's second Star Trek movie, and 
this is one where he shows a light touch so he can get a great comic performance from uh, William Shatner. And this is the film that got him to the directing gig on Three Men and Baby. It's like, oh, no more you can do comedy. Uh, yeah, it's really good, really fun. Um, so yeah, the Travel Back to Earth, they meet one character. My favorite character in this movie is the one character who kind of sees that humanity is destroying itself who like um they're they, they know where it's going they know how bad it's going to get um they they try to tell people but uh they're always told to shush and not listen to um person realizes that the sins of all our fathers are dumped on our sons the only choice we're given is how many megatons i refer of course to the punk on the bus the punk <laughs> on the bus is the smartest guy in this movie <laughs> what's the point um yeah, they're uh, coming back because humanity is destroying itself. And when they meet a guy who realizes this and has the appropriate reaction to this, which is um, say, I assure you, uh, and I say, screw you, um, they, they just give him a nerve pinch. Um, so yeah, that's, that's <laughs> he, the funniest. He was, um, he was a member of the crew. Yes. Oh, that is, that is Mark Thatcher. He was something like assistant sound yep, there you designer. Go. Uh, Nimoy was looking for a punk sound and he piped up and goes well, it was his uh, song as well yeah my, me and my buddies from the band so yes, yes they, you can look up the song on YouTube it's um, uh, I Hate You by Mark Thatcher <laughs> and the, the Edge of Etiquette is the band yeah. it's a banging Amazing. tune because I hate you and I berate you <laughs> yeah and I assure you so I say screw you <laughs> um, yeah that song's on the club you'd head through the marsh pit um yeah so yeah that's the funniest my funniest bit of the movie but yeah uh, it's fun it's a happy tone it has a serious environmental message but uh, yeah it's a good movie definitely seals through for me all right that's uh, made it onto the list uh tony do you like the voyage home i do like the voyage home um for all the reasons that you guys have said i do feel it, it feels more television movie-esque than and less cinematic than perhaps the other films. Um, I would definitely rank another original series film above this one. Um, and um, I'll say yes. <laughs> okay. I mean, a double dumbass on you is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> another one someone was going to say it. You know, nice. the, yeah. uh, the, the scene where, you know. Too much LDS in the 60s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and where you know Spock knocks out the, the the punk rocker with his ghetto blaster. I mean, I wish I could do that on the London Tube sometimes when people are playing their uh, their phones for everyone to hear. <laughs> I was like, just find it immensely rude. <laughs> um, so yes, it's. Um, I mean, like to be honest, I don't with the original series, even Star Trek Five. Like, the, I just feel the camaraderie between the original cast is watchable even when the, the story's dog shit. <laughs> harsh. Uh, all right, then. So that's, I don't think uh, he was harsh enough. <laughs> that's four. Uh, John, do you agree with Matt's nomination? Uh, yeah, I do. It's in my top seven. So, um, yeah. Um, I uh, there is just a, um, a, a, an easy charm between all the different characters. They're just 
they, they they're kind of coasting through they they're not playing they're not playing the drama at all there there is no drama in this one it, it is actually just a screwball comedy um i i, I like I, I like the fact that everything's quiet and in this case of they're sitting in the car driving along they're having a conversation about everything being fine and no nobody being weird and spock just turns around and says gracie's pregnant and <laughs> everything slams to a halt and yeah um oh she told me <laughs> yeah how, how do you know that that's toxic well, she told me and gracie knows oh, that's <laughs> a great that's a that's a great bit where where they're, they're under um the the aquarium and they're walking yes. through, and, and they just see spock swimming um, yeah and kirk's where, reaction is yeah. <laughs> we got quite a few complaints from animal rights activists about you know exploiting humpback whales for this movie there are no humpback whales in this movie they're all uh, prosthetics and um, animatronics but they look really good like you only have to squint to see all oh, right is that is none of these shots a real whale but none of them are i mean this film Not even the tail even the tail coming out of the water at the end really yeah it's yeah. all uh, it has a great environmental thing running through yeah. as well which is arguably more <laughs> you know um relevant than ever right i mean that was made what 30 40 years ago yeah well we've all we've all and, and also the discovering that animals are actually probably far more intelligent than you give them credit for yeah i mean i think we've only got one country that's really uh keeping the whaling going at the minute i think everybody else has kind of signed up and said we're, we're not too worried about it anymore um but uh no i i love i love the fact that um uh sulu goes to um um looking around helicopters he says oh I've, i used to fly these in the old days oh right okay yeah a very long time ago <laughs> yeah, uh, he's fly, he's flying along and he flicks the switch and the windscreen wipers goes he's, what the <laughs> as he, as he, as they're loading the plastic in um it i mean it, you could say it's almost obvious comedy but it's actually very well done um check off uh check off uh on the russian on on the ship the the only russian on an american military <laughs> ship yeah. uh being invested uh interrogated by the cia agent and being completely at odds with each other um the screwball I mean, comedy uh, in the hospital and and also the fact that Scott, Scotty sits down at the computer and <laughs> computer, computer <laughs> hands him the mouse yeah. and then he talks into the mouse <laughs> and he's oh keyboard how quaint <laughs> bah, 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 bah. and I, I I I think this is this is the lighter side of, of Trek and I I think it's I think it's as deserving as any anything else. I think it need, I think it should be on the list. Uh, it definitely needed to go that direction after the search for Spock, which I found very dour. Um, it, it's it's, a, it's search for Spock. It, I, I, it took me a long time to warm up to that film, but it, it, it's I mean, not bad by any means. It's not bad by any means. Um, but I think they gen just genuinely needed to lighten up a little bit, um, and this this was the perfect way to do it. Yeah. All right, well, uh, Star Trek IV The Voyage Home is on our list, um, and it's round to me now, um, and I'm going to go with uh, my uh, number three pick, because my first two have already been mentioned, and I'm going to nominate Star Trek VI The Undiscovered yeah. Country. Um, I love this film, and um, after the 
uh, disaster of a Star Trek V, which almost killed the franchise, they came back uh, all guns blazing with uh, a brilliant send-off for the original cast. Um, it's it's brilliant. It's got a great story. Uh, um, it's about Klingons um, and trying to make peace with them. There's a very very fragile um, sort of ceasefire with them at the moment and uh, Kirk is set up um, and uh, there's an assassination plot um, and it's uh, it's great. So who done it? Um, there's uh, the, the Enterprise A refit looks amazing. Uh, the Excelsior's in it. Sulu is now the captain of the Excelsior. Um, uh, Christopher Plummer is almost on par with Khan as uh, the baddie in this film, uh, as a Klingon uh, general. Um, uh, go, uh, no, he's Ambassador Gorn, wasn't it? No, Gorkin. hang on. Gorkin. Chancellor Gorkin was, yes. Uh, Chang. Uh, and it, thank you. General Chang. Um, general, general Chang. Ambassador Gorkin. And yes. so. Uh, that's Chancellor Gorkin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And uh, it's it's amazing. The Christopher Plummer and um, uh, William Shatner are old friends, very old friends, ca Canadians, who, and they went to acting school together, and they've had this friendly rivalry throughout their acting careers. And uh, William Shatner pitched for Christopher Plummer to be in this film, um, and he just uh, relishes it, and he just like um, Ricardo Montalban before him, chews up the scenery and uh, is having clearly having an amazing time as a Klingon, a bald Klingon as well, which is a great style choice. He sits there in a the chair, spins around and just quotes Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> it's, that, it's that is his character. In the original Klingon. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, there's just so much to like about this film, and uh, the the battle between the the cling cloaking Klingon bird of prey that can fire, which is yes. revolutionary, was never in the original series. The the Klingons never had a ship that could cloak like and it. fire at the same time, um, and and then there's a, an awesome battle at the end with the Enterprise and the Excelsior and the Klingon bird of prey. Um, and and yeah, the, the the finale where they end up um, in the um, Federation of Planets in San Francisco, and they're all kind of at the front, and all these aliens clapping weirdly um, at at them having saved the day. Oh, it's it's great. That's Kitterman, mate. Love it. Um, yeah, so that's that's my nomination. Uh, Tim, what what do you reckon? Oh yeah, this is this is an easy yes. Um, I think it's my second favorite of the original cast movies. Um, this is one where they kind of got the old band back together. So they've got Nicholas Mayer to direct it. Uh, I think Leonard Nimoy and Harv Bennett wrote the story. Um, they couldn't get James Horner again because he now thought he had outgrown Star Trek. The Army. Yeah, so uh, the score is actually from an existing composer. They wanted to kind of host Planet Suites and they found a composer and sounded a bit like that. Uh, yes, but, uh, Christopher Plummer is brilliant in this. Um, he, him and Shatner's history was Shatner was his understudy in a production That's of King right. Lear. 
Ah. And then the tour went to, I think it was Edinburgh, Glasgow. Christopher Plummer couldn't make it, and William Shatner went on and got such rave, rave reviews in the role <laughs> that Christopher Plummer came back the next night and gave, gave what he still credits was his greatest performance of his career <laughs> as King Lear, just to make sure that this upstart Shatner wasn't going to take his job. So yeah, that's why they, uh, I think they're bringing lots of Shakespeare. Um, the costumes, the clown costumes, and this are amazing. They kind of go for a punk Elizabethan thing. That's all leather and kind of gritty. Yeah, um, new new rock boots with horns on. Yeah, it's a great. It's it was a topical movie at the time. It was kind of the end of the Cold War, and it was um, how about making peace with your enemies. So whereas Wrath of Khan was about fear and getting old in this movie they're worried about becoming obsolete so it's kind of a deeper more existential crisis that they're going through um, I like the running joke where um, all the aliens are culturally appropriating earth things so it's the old Vulcan saying only Nixon can go to China um, yes you haven't heard Shakespeare until you've heard it in the original which he has a point. I did make a note of this. It's ta pa ta be. Someone has some some enthusiastic Star Trek fans have translated Hamlet and Klingon. Yes. Um, so yeah, this Believe is. Uh, it didn't actually exist. They had to create that because when the guy that designed it, Klingon, said, "Oh, there would never be to be or not to be." in there yeah, so it's, it's to continue or not to continue actually uh, uh, the Klingon language is actually invented by Scotty yep. so yeah in the, James in the first Duham. movie the actors playing Klingons had to say something James Doohan gave them some kind of guttural noises to come up with and then when they hired I think it's Mark Ockrand to invent languages he just invented a language from the noises that these actors had made yeah he reverse yeah, engineered it and yeah I think he, he, he that's his thing that he does. I think he did Dothraki for Game of Thrones as well. Um, so yes, great fitting send-off for the original cast. Uh, nice last line, last star on the le left and straight on to midnight, I think it is. Straight on morning. to morning. Straight to morning. It's, on to it's Peter Pan. Peter Pan, that's Peter Pan. Yes. Uh, yeah, and then they all sign off and never to be seen again. Haha. <laughs> Dot, Unfortunately, dot, dot. money lured them back for generations or some of them, but yeah, great movie. Uh, second best uh, original cast movie and definitely yes for me. Okay, uh, Tony. Uh, yeah, couldn't agree more with Tim. I love the sign-off at the end where you get to see all the actors' signatures. I mean, I believe Avengers Endgame copied that at the end, didn't they? Yes. Huh? They they literally were like, oh, Star Trek Six, <laughs> we'll copy that. <laughs> <laughs> they did it first. Um, yeah, I I love this film um, from the special effects, which still hold up to the now. I think, particularly when you know that torpedo goes through the uh, yes. the Enterprise's saucer section. Um, and as um, was it, Tim? Were you saying the the music as well? That's yeah, Cliff Elderman apparently. Not sure he did much since, but the, the music in that's brilliant. Well, no, I don't. I think. The music wasn't composed for this film. They used music that had that already existed. 
So it's his oh, own live, live on music. Say, isn't I'm, it? Go I'm Googling as I go, and it's Cliff <laughs> Elderman. But this, I'm talking about the music. The, uh, Star Trek Six, and I think uh, Star Trek Four have scores which have absolutely nothing that they only have the kind of like the trumpet the that's it everything else is brand new there's no other themes whereas in um from the motion picture to uh graphicon and search for spock and final frontier they all actually have uh, the same motifs in them kind of four and six are completely different um, structures and they don't have the same themes. I, I, again, I would say this film's very tense because from the opening, even just the, the credits at the beginning, all you have is very tense music and it leads you up to the explosion of Praxis at the beginning of the film. And then there's Captain Sulu, you know, with his rose hip tea. Oh, yeah, it's all fine. And then the rattling. <laughs> I mean, Steven Spielberg clearly ripped that off the Jurassic Park and the Tyrannosaurus Rex book <laughs> coming down, right? Because you know something's coming before you see it. Um, oh my. True story. <laughs> also, I don't think we ever mentioned really mu very much about posters. This, 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 this film had a brilliant poster. Yeah. Yeah. No. Really good. I, do you not recall? I think no, this is, isn't this actually kind of like the first of the modern era posters? All the, all, all, the all the rest are very, are all very 80s and people centric and everything. But this is the first one that actually has a kind of like a modern. Uh, yeah. uh, well, I, I would design. argue that the, the motion picture had a really good poster. Motion picture. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Star Trek V. Sorry, Tim. Yeah, the poster in Star Trek V is awful. It's um, a cinema seat with a seatbelt attached. So you have to buckle up for this thrill ride. Oh my it's god, really? Really, nobody designed by someone who hadn't seen the movie. <laughs> um, wow. But I, I do, I do think this is a great send-off um, for the the original cast. Everyone gets something to do, working together, and. Um, in, in many ways, I wish, like the original series and the next generation had kind of spoken, because I feel, because I think there's brilliant elements in generations. But had they spoken, generations could be a much better film. Because this one was definitely better. Star Trek Six is definitely better than Generations. Yeah. Um, I also feel um, Star Trek Six is very cinematic as well, unlike maybe Star Trek Four. Again, it's got tension and pace, and it carries the audience along. I it's mean, got a prison break. Hey, got a great prison break. I hope the whole prison. It's a great prison break. Uh, David Bowie's wife, right, is the yes, uh, a man. Yes, um, the. Um, She's not a changeling, is she? She's a no. She is a change. Amyloid. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> God, I'm a geek. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it, uh, the, that scene where she turns into Captain Kirk and she, you know, I can't believe I kissed you. Must have been your lifelong ambition. Yeah. Did Sh <laughs> Did Shatner suggest that scene? <laughs> oh, of course, of course he did. <laughs> you know he did. You know. Yeah. And William Shatner is a thing. Anytime he plays a baddie or a bad version of Kirk, he just goes really camp. <laughs> yeah, 
but it works. That's <laughs> me. That was that was brilliant. And the comeback line, it was like, I can't believe I kissed you. Must have been your lifelong ambition. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, hard yes from me. Definitely my top three. Okay. Um, I, just before I go on, as I should have mentioned uh, Christian Slater's cameo. He's a big oh, yeah. uh, Star Trek fan, and his mum was the casting director. Yeah, Mary Mary uh, Jo Slater. Yeah, and uh, also um, Kim Cattrall was in this as as one of the um, well, yeah, baddie Vulcans. Um, and originally, she was supposed to be playing Savick. They were they wanted to bring back the character of Savick. Mm. Um, but I don't know why they decided, you know, making they, they it couldn't afford Christy Ali and Robin Curtis wasn't available. I think. That's it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they didn't want to recast Savick again. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's uh, that's made it in. Um, John, do you do you agree? Uh, yes, um, this is definitely very high in my top in my top seven. Um, this is not only a good Star Trek film. This is a good mystery film. It's a good it's it's a, a good adventure film it's it trips along nicely uh everyone is on their top on top form um you have uh there is de there's depth to it depth to the story depth to the characters um uh you and you also get you also get to the point where it, that, that and then they go and throw in something incredibly funny like we found the space boots we found the space boots. And they go, oh, they, you walk in, and case of, this must be you. It's a case of have a look at his feet. There's all flippers in there. Um, yeah, I I really like this one. David Warner back. Obviously, he wasn't that put off by uh, number five um, to come I'm back. The next generation. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he, um, as as Gorkin and he, the short role that he has, it's uh, it's really cool. Worf's in it. Oh yeah, they bring Worf back as their defending counsel. Grandfather's uh, own uncle. Yes, and and oh, uh, um, grandfather. Yeah, he's supposed to be his grandfather. The, so oh. the translator in that scene, there's really cool tra translation bit where he goes, "Don't wait for the translation," um, which is yeah, from from uh, I think it was oh I've got the name of the US ambassador to the UN but that was like an incident from the Cuban Missile Crisis but the Klingon translator this is deep dive nerd is the same actor and playing the same character as it's the Klingon captain from Star Trek 5 oh and he's been this, this is been he's reduced. been demoted after the events of Star Trek 5 he's been demoted to translating in court <laughs> that is no that's, that's, that's oh, deep. Wow. Um, as just uh, another cameo, um, and what who used to be Ensign Bowman uh, from the original series, from hand, of handing uh, Kirk the uh, clipboards to do his, oh, to do yeah. his, write, his notes on. Um, she's on the Excelsior with Sulu. She's uh, she actually crops up in uh, she crops up in the motion picture as well, and I think she made Yeoman uh, Rand. Yes, sorry, Yeoman Rand. Yeoman Rand. I, I think she was in three and four as well. She is. Yeah. Well, she's the Enterprise from Space Dog. Yes, yeah, shaking your head. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, but that that yes, they even they even bring her back. So that's cool. I mean, arguably, this is like the fourth 
film in that trilogy. I know. <laughs> it is. It's like you know, it has carry-on elements, doesn't it? Kirk's son. Yeah. I mean, he, 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 I mean, it is. It is my boy. It is definitely re, uh, tying up. Or it's it's trying to tie up the character. It's trying to tie up uh, the series. Also, kind of goes back on himself because he's like, uh, excuse the language, fuck the Klingons. <laughs> but in the end, he's like, you know, actually, my prejudice and hatred, I shouldn't be listening to. Yeah, but you've you've got um, uh, Ob- Odo. I mean, well, Rene Obuj That word. Yeah, he, he's he's there playing the uh, the gen- the general or the colonel. Again, this is another extended edition, isn't it? No, no, no. He 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 actually walks. In, he actually comes in. Oh, and he, general, and he talks he about does. he talks about the uh, cleaning their clocks. But to- Tony is right though that there's go, go on, Tony. That yeah, you the extended edition shows that he's the Klingon assassin. Yeah, it's expanded. I've always uh, we've always and known pull, that. they pull the mask off, don't they? And it's, yes. But there's there's more. What Tony's saying is that um, in the extended version, there's more uh, to that part, and that he had more to do, and that the reveal makes more sense because they've already uh, shown that character having uh, having. I, I can't even remember now what, yeah, what else he does. He's doing Starfleet operations, isn't he? And then he's the guy that's going to assassinate yes. the, uh, the president of the Federation. Yeah. So again, they've added like two, three minutes, which they've they've cut for timing. But essentially, they didn't needn't have bothered because who's going to care about that much time? You know, when most modern films carry on for three or four hours. Yeah, but then again, they shouldn't. But no, um, I I, th- I I like this. Uh, I I think I think it's cool. Uh, I think it's a really good. It really is a good send off. Um, and the second and the second that. Kirk and Su- Kirk and Sulu both give their fire um, command when they when they've located the cloaked Klingon uh, bird of prey. Uh, that's just that that's well, one of those kick-ass moments. I mean, Uhura comes up with the idea, doesn't she? Yeah. Well, the thing's got to have a tailpipe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doctor, do you, would you care to help assist me in some sur- in, in some surgery? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Uh, all right, Matt. Do you do you like the undiscovered country? Um, I do. I think um, that it goes without saying that uh, the, the the original five movies, um, the the three films that we've mentioned already, are the, are the top three. Um, and I have to say that this is probably joint, maybe joint up there with with Wrath of Calm, kind of almost pushing it um, uh, for for top place in terms of uh, the original five. Um, Six. But, Sorry, six, but I'm not carrying the fun. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> um, so uh, the yeah, I, I I enjoy this movie. It's 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 a Cold War uh, film set in space, isn't it? You know, you've got a nice uh, a bit of a mystery going on. Who who done it? Um, I I really do enjoy the bits uh, in uh, Ruripente, the, uh, the 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 mining colony that is is the the deepest darkest Klingon prison. Um, in the solar system and um they did escape rather quickly and rather easily but you know we have to take that with a pinch of salt um Iman's really good in this i thought she was she was terrific she 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 could have had a decent career as a, an actress really I don't, kind of don't know why she didn't carry on um and just, yeah. just, sorry just quickly going back to the to the jailbreak 
Um, even Kirk, when they're out there um, waiting to get picked up, you sit, you're sitting there by the fire, he turns around to her and says, this was a bit easy, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Basically, he knows that it's kind of a plot for them to be suicided off. Yeah. So, but anyway. Terrific, yeah, it's a, it's a terrific movie. It's a great send-off. Um, yeah, there's not much else I can say. I mean, you guys really undersold you, your, your knowledge at the beginning of this <laughs> podcast. You really do know your stuff, so I, I can't add anything else to it. It's, it's very good. All right, so yes. well, yeah. thank you. It has made the list. So we're back round to Tim. Tim, what else have you got for us? Okay, so the thing with Star Trek movies, the rule of the Star Trek movies is odd number bad, even number good. So first movie bad, Rathacan good, Star Trek 4 is good, Star Trek 6 is good, First Contact is good. Uh, so then when Insurrection wasn't very great, Nemesis was supposed to be the good one again. It was supposed to be the even-numbered one, but it wasn't. And then you kind of think the rule kind of fell apart at that point. But I can fix that. Because there's a movie that was voted, which Will Wheaton has said is the second best Star Trek movie. Alex Kurtman says it's the second best Star Trek movie. I think with a call of Star Trek fans, it was voted number seven of Star Trek movies. Um, it is, of course, Never give up, never surrender. <laughs> By Grab Thor's hammer, Galaxy Quest, a Star Trek movie in all but name, and the Star Trek movie the Star Trek cast should have made. Uh, so, it's a great concept. Uh, there is a bunch of actors who used to be on a successful TV sci-fi series. Um, the lead actor has a massive ego, but is a bit difficult. Um, I don't know why they think it's based on Star Trek. Um, and yeah, they're they're totally um, typecast as these characters they played years ago. They can't get any other work, so their career is now going to conventions. Uh, the best character by far is Alan Rickman's character, um, Alexander Dean, who is a Shakespearean actor. Who could have, whose leer was legendary apparently, and now all he does is wear a big prosthetic rubber head and get asked by fans to say the line, by Grab Thor's hammer, I shall avenge you, which he hits, absolutely hits. Um, so the movie starts, they're a bit washed up. Um, uh, James Nesmith's played by Tim Allen meets some really weird fans who like want him to come and help and he says, oh god, I'm making some fan movie. Uh, he gets in the limo, passes out because he's hungover, wakes up on a very impressive set. Uh, they ask him to do his thing, he says a few lines, oh yeah, fire all the torpedoes, uh, fine. And then he says, can I go home now? And they say, yeah, sure, fine. And the doors of the spaceship open and he realizes he's in another galaxy. So yeah, the plot is some real aliens uh, see the old TV show. They, because they're sweet and wonderful, they don't understand the concept of lying, so they assume these actors are the real characters, and they uh, take them off to space to help fight their adventures. Um, it's a great movie. It's a very funny movie. Um, it works because uh, they spent money on the special effects. So in this comedy movie, the straight guy straight man is the sci-fi bit so the, uh, the the special effects are amazing the cgi is amazing 
and uh, the cast all have a great time. Sigourney Weaver is um, was kind of plays the character who was the eye candy in the original series, who has no role apart from to repeat what the computer says. Like, yes, I know. It's I got one job in this ship. It's stupid, but it's the only thing I've got to do. Uh, it's good. Um, to front, there's some really great, sweet moments in it. Um, but uh, there's a great scene. Tim Allen has to explain to these sweet aliens, innocent aliens, that um, actually he's just a phony and a fake and a fraud. Um, uh, Alan Rickman's whole thing is building up. They build up so. He has to have a moment where he says the line he hates so much, but means it, and he just, and, and he gives this great, like, subtle by grab Thor's hammer, by the sun of water, I shall avenge you. Uh, it's a terrible line which he delivers beautifully, and yes, um, the cast rediscover their mojo and get their series back in the end. Um, it's a great movie. It is a Star Trek movie. I will hear no uh, dissent on this topic it's uh, definitely one of my favorites uh right um <laughs> chris and so because it is an even numbered star trek movie that means that nemesis bad movie is is star trek number nine which makes the JJ, first jj <laughs> good into darkness is now bad and then beyond is now good the universe is aligned again. Well, uh, do you want to sell it? Do you want to sell them, Chris? That's, it's an interesting concept, Tim. Um, and uh, certainly, if you're looking at it purely from a even odd uh, perspective, then uh, yeah, I guess that works. Although I can test that three is not a bad film. Um, uh, but uh, it's uh, we we can't put we can't put this in. It's the same reason we didn't nominate Spaceballs during the Star Wars one. You know, it's um, it's, it's a parody after all. Um, An homage. Okay, well, hom- homage. Uh, yeah, true. Um, but it's it's not canon though, is it? It's we can't. I, 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 Tony. I, 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 I mean, I, I think Tim's right in every aspect, apart from he's not a Star Trek film, so I'm a, I'm a no. It is brilliant. I love Aaron Rickman. Scorning in a poll of Star Trek fans, it was voted number seven. <laughs> well, really? <they're> really? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I mean, to me, I would say, bar um, Alan Rickman's uh, role in um, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and uh, Die Hard, his third best role was in Dogma as uh, Okay, uh, John? Um, I love this movie. I think I think it's a great movie. It's not Starfleet. Um, <laughs> so uh, as much as it, it by as much as it buys into the whole idea of a 60 uh 60s um uh sorry a, a 60s series homage or yeah well no it, well no it's a, it's actually really great because it's not only is it talking about um the the series itself it's also talk, it's also straight there with the culture that goes around and fan culture that went around with it um now, so Tim, i salute you for saying it 
It's a bold move. Respect. <laughs> yeah. So as as much, um, I think I think if you're going to watch if you watch this and watch it with um, is it tre is it Trekkers and the yep. documentary Tre series Trekkers, with Denise uh, Crosby, Crosby. Um, or and uh, follow that up with I am Spock. Oh, searching yeah. for Spock, I think it is. Um, I think I think you're onto something. Um, but unfortunately, it's not one of the thirteen Star Trek films that we were considering for this list. <laughs> uh, Matt. Well, do you know? Do you know what, guys? I I, ha I don't have any of the Star Trek baggage that you guys have, so I have no problem saying yes to this. Yes, it's, it's a fantastic <laughs> film. It's it's very very funny. It's one of my kids' favourites. This. Um, I remember laughing my ass off in in the uh, cinema when, when I went to see this. Um, uh, just so funny. Alan Rickman is so again. He's 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 got some straight funny lines in this. And oh man, and I, I just I, I like the real um, the, the 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 real shape of the Thermians um, when they're just like they're just like giant squids, aren't they? Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's, it's just a funny film but yeah obviously it's not a Star Trek movie uh, in the traditional sense but like I said I've got no baggage so I'm happy to say yes well you, Do, you've does, the, does the rolling it does the rolling really help yeah it does, does. <laughs> uh, you've got one uh, vote there Tim um, yeah I'm afraid it's it's as, as it's good for an honorable mention um, but we, we can't we can't put it in I'm afraid but <laughs> But yeah, maybe I, another timeline. Maybe we could have yes. a, a separate timeline. <laughs> when we start doing, when we do the homage podcast, the mirror universe, maybe. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, it is a good film, uh, and I recommend anybody listening or watching to check it out if you haven't. Uh, I agree with all your sentiments, Tim. It's it's very funny, very good homage to uh, the original Star Trek films. Um, uh, Tony, do you do you have? Uh, a legitimate vote for us. <laughs> well, it's one you've touched upon, Chris. I, I, I'm going to go with Star Trek Three. Search for Spock, a film I didn't actually massively enjoy when I first saw it as a, like a, as a child. But the more as I've got older, it is dark. It continues the darkness, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually not really a darkness person. I'm a more like you know Star Wars: A New Hope kind of guy, but. There's a lot in that film I feel that's that's great. You know, you've got um, Christopher Lloyd, Doc Brown. He's a great bad guy, isn't he? Go on, good. Yes. No, no, no. He, he, he is um, <laughs> absolutely as uh, what's his name? Krug, 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 Krug. Krug yeah. You know, he incinerates one of his uh, vaporizes one <laughs> one of his helmsmen when he um, disobeys his order. Yeah, you know, and puts his hand through that the, like the worm. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Spock comes back. Everyone loves Spock, and it's the first time they actually properly destroy the Enterprise and not a copy from the other two films. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like there's McCoy and um, Kirk on Genesis, the Genesis planet, watching the Enterprise vaporize through the atmosphere, saying. Oh, you know what have I done? What have I done, Bones? Oh, you've turning, you've turned a, uh, um, you turned, turned death, death into a fighting chance for hope, or something like that, right? Okay. Um, it is not. I, 
I didn't like it because like, I, I always liked Kirk's son. And I was like, oh, they killed him. <laughs> David. No. Yeah, David. <laughs> you killed my bastard, you killed my son. Yeah, and it's how he falls off his chair. Yes. Yeah. The captain's chair, you know. And like when uh, him scoring Chekhov or you're like setting the Enterprise on self to strong, you're like, yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> when they beam on board. So, um, yeah. I guess, I guess Kirk's next chapter when we were on about, um, you know, uh, the Wrath of Khan and, oh, you know, his next adventure. His next adventure was very unexpected and probably not one where he would have ch chosen himself. But he did what he felt was best for his friend. And I guess in the end, what you can do in life is do what you think is best. There ended the story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. John, are you a fan? Um, yeah, I am. Uh, I, it, I think I think the whole odds and evens can be a little unfair. I mean, it, granted, it's not Wrath of Khan, um, but it's not Final Frontier. <laughs> um, and it and I, and again, it, it's actually it's in my top seven. Um, so I, 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 I like the idea, I like the fact that Uhura puts the guy in the cupboard. Um, oh, I'm looking for a bit of adventure and excitement in this case. Well, here's your adventure and excitement, get in the cupboard. No, this, is not, this is not real life, this is fantasy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then, um, I, and um, Bones trying to do a Vulcan death grip, <laughs> uh, a, a nerve pinch and going slowly nuts. I, I I think it's it's got its humour, but it really goes to that. It really goes to the depths uh, of uh, downness. I think Christopher uh, Christopher Lloyd. Okay, I, I, when I watched it, I kind of thought, well, he's kind of my favourite favourite Klingon captain. Actually, he's he's probably kind of like after General Chang. Um, he's kind of like the probably the most rounded Klingon we will get. And he was uh, the first, really. Sorry, he was the first, really. I mean, this is the first movie that kind of established and, that and whole. And he is what he is, isn't he? He doesn't make any apologies. That yeah, I'm a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, but but it's a case of I want I want the I want the weapon. I, you you have a weapon I want it because I'm going to use it against you and it, and there's absolutely no, nothing ter there's nothing terrible about that and he's the and probably he's the most faith faithful realization of a Klingon in the fact that I I'm a complete I am a complete scoundrel and um, just to show you I'm just going to kill somebody just to show you I'm, I'm serious well Kirk's on protect Savick doesn't he? yes yeah, 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 yeah. He basically take, he takes the, the blade. The, the son has a bit of father in him. Also, like, it's one of the best death scenes when Kirk's kicking him in the face, isn't it? It's like, yes. I have had enough of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Into yeah. the fiery pit. Um, but no, I, th I think, and and when when they're leaving space dock, and Scotty, open the door for us. <laughs> Scotty's trying to open the door, and then you've got. Uh, that is also a great scene. Yeah, and then they, they, they opens, they get out, and the Excelsior's coming around behind them. In this case, okay, when, when we hit warp, and then they're not going to know what's hit them. And in this case, hey, how are you doing? 
they just kind of why all the engines wind down because Scotty's been working on the Excelsior. Um, it's, it's like the uh, the nuns in um, Sound of Music. Yes, yes, exactly. It's good. So, Reverend Mother, we've sinned. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I. I I think I think this one suffers from its placement in the series. I don't. So I'm I'm not saying it's the best, but I think I think it's I do I don't think it's it's definitely not the worst. Um, I think I think it's I think it's a good Star Trek film. So, okay, uh, Matt, do you like the search for Spock? Uh, do you know what? I I don't really like any of the other films necessarily. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is it's all right um it's a bit boring i'll be honest it's reminding me of what would really be an expanded tv episode um it looked a bit cheap um it's not my favorite you know if i was going to pick another one i'd probably pick the reboot to be honest the first reboot uh, sorry, not the first reboot, the first film in the reboot in the Kelvin timeline. Um, so I, I don't really mind. It, you know, if you guys want to put it through, that's absolutely fine. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say no. Um, okay. I, I don't know. It's just something I, I prefer the Star Trek films um, when they are more focused. Um, I don't think this had this had too much focus on the um, on the the resurrection of Spock and you knew where it was going that you know you've got the, the the villain you've got the 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 foil in, in christopher lloyd um who i felt was a bit over the top i think he was a bit he was a bit kind of uh, way too theatrical he was a bit kind of um uh stagey uh, not stagey um uh, um well, i can't remember i can't think of the word that i'm trying to say um you know i didn't really he didn't really grab me as as, as, as a baddie should do um in fact, I, I thought his little puppet dog was 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 the one that stole mo- most of, most of the scenes. To be honest, I um, agree. Uh, he, he was all right. He was all right, but no. Okay. Um, well, it's it's a definite yes from me. Um, it's uh, it's number four on my list. Um, I have a lot of love for this film, um, and I think it's a great sequel to Wrath of Khan. Um, it's, it follows on perfectly, and uh, we see what happens on the Genesis planet when it actually starts to regenerate. Um, I think Christopher Plummer is really good in this film. It's the uh, year before he was cast in Back to the Future, um, and uh, yeah, he, uh, he he makes a great villain, um, and it really triggers. Um, uh, character development for Kirk um, and killing killing David, um, and then we get to see Spock having sex the first time. Pom far, yeah. a little bit finger action there. A little know? bit inappropriate. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's, he's very young, and she's a grown woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I mean, didn't, well, he can't he, he can't do it into himself. <laughs> couldn't work out what all that shaking was about that was quite weird um but uh yeah it's, uh, really, it's a that, yes from me there was a deleted plot point the reason savik isn't in star trek 4 very much is originally she was meant to be pregnant with spock's baby after their pun oh, for no. sex yeah oh dear yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I that as well. um well tony it's made it in 
in our number six slot. Uh, Tim, do you agree? Um, it's not. Yeah, it's number seven on mine, so it just squeaks in for me. Uh, okay. Mainly because it's the middle part of that, like solid two, three, four trilogy. Um, it has it has really good points. Uh, I think um, I like the whole sort of insurrectiony. They all go rogue a bit, um, and it's kind of like continuing that theme of sometimes the needs of the many don't outweigh the needs of the few and <laughs> so it's the, that's them kind of breaking the rules because of their love for their friend um one thing we should have mentioned about star trek 2 right that i mean that's classic like yeah one of the best the lines throughout the whole star trek lore but that that kind of is a theme through these three three movies until i think kind of they wrap it up in four that um sometimes the needs of the one or more um so yeah it's good bit, uh, like uh Christopher Lloyd's first scene in it is quite good where it's like his uh, beloved Klingon bride is telling him the Genesis information and then she lets slip that she's seen some of it and he just goes unfortunate and she goes I understand and then he has to kill her and... yeah um, yeah Chris Lloyd's okay in it I think he said in interviews he'd like to have another crack at it and thinks he could have done better um, I agree with Matt it looks a bit cheap um uh, especially towards the end with the Genesis planet, it's just you can tell it's a sound stage. So, yeah. so um, although it's probably more expensive than Rathacan, the special effects look a lot cheaper. Um, it's good. It has good enough good bits in it to make it into my top seven. Um, so yeah, it's a it's okay. A All right, John, can you round off our seven for us? Right, this is where it starts to get difficult because <laughs> we have my top six in whatever order you want to believe that that is in. But we have my top six. So uh, your top six are already in the list? Yes. Okay. So as, Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. So, and I... Mine too, to be fair. I could, I could have a wow. choice. Um, so I could have a choice of two, really. Okay. Um, one of which has already been mentioned and poo-pooed. But I kind of like it, and the uh, and the other one has been mentioned, and people kind of like it. Go I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the Bapood one. <laughs> um, I have I like Star Trek uh, Star Trek Nemesis. Okay, I kind it, 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 silence there, John. <laughs> no, no, I understand this, but then, it, then again, this isn't the first time I've been met with silence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so um, it's, I, it's like we are kind of in the middle now. We are in the middle of the Star Trek films. I don't think this is as bad as people, people think it is. Um, I, 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 Tom Hardy. It's it's not Star Trek Five bad, but it, I mean, like, I mean, there's some good bits, but yeah, not... I think I prefer Star Trek Five. <gasps> wow! Because, even though it, it is obviously a much worse movie, but because but Star Trek Five is so bad, it has some charm to it. <laughs> Tim, can you go? Charm. Can you go? Can you go back in time and be on our video games podcast? Because <laughs> <laughs> that that was a lot of them on there. Um, I. I think this is this is not bad. I mean, it, it, it's kind of 
it's picking it's picking elements out and i can go and actually the the final frontier comparison isn't terror isn't a terrible comparison um but i just i i think it they i think they do what I don't want to do is put up a defense which basically says it's better than the others. I want to kind of do it on its own merit. I think Tom Hardy is actually pretty good. I think I think he I think as a as kind of like a young evil Picard, you could you you could kind of yeah you could see that you can see that, <clears throat> and um, the whole, the whole plan, idea the whole plan was a bit shit, was it? <laughs> what mm. ta taking over the uh, Rom Romulan? The Remans taking over the Romulan well, Empire. I'm, I'm going to clone Captain Picard. No. Twenty well, years before. <laughs> yeah, but they did that with Tasha Yar. In the yeah. TV series. Did he clone her. That was but, very different. No, no, it's the same. It's, it's, it's a clone implant, but it's still, it's still the same. It's still the same idea. And the fact that, and I mean, I yesterday's guess, Enterprise was one of the best episodes of the original uh, TNG. So. Yeah. But so the thing the thing is I uh, I think it, I think it's a a good story I think it kind of it, it's kind of like um, it's trying it's trying to do it's trying to do Star Trek six in setup the political term, turmoil a takeover of an old enemy by a new by uh, a local enemy falling into a political situation. Um, that they shouldn't they shouldn't be any shouldn't be part of but have been dragged in because uh um because of uh chiron um i and you get and you get a, a baby you get a baby data as well um in before now i it's got the wedding at the bit. It's got uh, the wedding at the beginning. Data doing his whole song and dance routine. You can kind of tell that Brent Spiner wasn't long for this franchise. It's case of, let's get it all in because I need a job after this. Um, but it uh, and the, again we're we're talking about um, we're talking about um, age and um, being obsolete and being replaced and are you replaceable by um, by uh, a clone um we have we have the do dodgy reman mind rape stuff with diana and i understand, Again, I understand they've already that. done that in next generation yeah um so i mean and i i but this i don't i don't think it's i don't think it's terrible and i don't think it's bad i think it's a mid mid-level entry star trek film okay well, uh, that's your number seven nomination, Star Trek Nemesis, which is the last Next Generation film. Um, Matt, what do you think about Nemesis? Um, yeah, there's not really much more that we can say about the leftover films. Uh, because I'm not a huge Star Trek fan, I suppose I can view these films slightly differently. In itself, the the plot is pretty good. I don't mind the plot. I think I I, I quite enjoy it. I didn't have any of the, the as as you are, I've already said. I didn't have any of these pre-existing episodes that, I, that had similar plot points and storylines. Um, I think Tom Hardy's pretty good in it. Um, uh, it's definitely the second best of the uh, the generation um, sequence. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I, I, I genuinely think there's only about six movies that are worth putting in a list. I don't think we need a seventh one, but if we're going to put one on, why not be be Nemesis? Yeah, I don't mind. I'll probably end up saying yes to somebody else's, but, <laughs> but yeah, you know, All right. I'm off getting an opinion from somebody else. Yes, from Matt. Um, okay, uh, Nemesis. Now, I didn't have this on my list, John. Um, uh, I, I still have two other films. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, but I do like Nemesis. I I remember seeing it in the cinema. I didn't come away thinking that was, you know, that I didn't come away from the film feeling the way I did after Undiscovered Country. I didn't feel it was the best send-off for the Next Generation crew, but I did like Tom Hardy. I liked the fact that um, that I liked the wedding at the beginning. I liked the fact that they actually finally gave Riker the Titan, his own ship, um, which then carries on into Lower Decks. Um, uh, I I liked the, the Enterprise again, the, the, the ship battle. Um, against the other two that I have, it's, it's six and a half, so I'll, I'll say yes to Nemesis. Yeah, why not? Tim? Um, well, I've, I've run out of Star Trek movies I like. Um, I kind of see your point, Jonathan. There's bits in this in Nemesis I really like, but they're outweighed by the bits I really hate. Um, the bits where Tom Hardy's really good in it. Um, I felt bad because after the bad reception this movie got, he kind of went off the rails a bit. He was very depressed and hit the bottle quite a lot. Um, Tom Hardy did. Yeah, yeah. yeah he said he woke up in bed with tons of different people at one point, didn't he? That was that explains yeah. a lot. Wow. Um, so yeah, um, they didn't let Jonathan Frakes direct this one, and as he loves to point out in interviews, this was the first Star Trek movie that didn't make money. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it it's nearly good. Uh, I think the plot's really good. I, I was. When it came out, I said, like, oh, it's good that they're finally making a Romulan movie because they never really used those in the movies. Hmm. Um, the, well, the old really didn't, did they? Because, I mean, it's it's a, it's a Jean-Luc Picard movie. Mm. Yeah, um, so uh, the the big battle at the end is quite good and the bit where they ram the Enterprise and Dale ship, that's really good. But, but this movie is ruined by Brent Spiner. Um, <laughs> and not, not necessarily his fault. It's just... Um, if they hadn't had the whole data before plot thing going on, they could have had room to actually develop the good plot that they had. But instead, they wasted like a third of the movie doing a dune buggy ride around this planet, just picking up bits of android that are that there. That was Patrick Stewart's um, insistence. He wanted to yeah. do that, so that's why they put it in. Anyway. Yeah. It wasn't very yeah, good. He was wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's, uh, better, yeah. it's better than the captain's yacht. Yes, true. <laughs> it wasn't uh, a I'm not sure I, I agree with that. It, it's just the, the, the whole data plot kind of takes up too much of this movie and then kind of takes away from the actual good plot that they should have been spending mm, time developing. I agree there. Yeah, um, I agree there. Uh, the, the whole tension of the end movie, the whole big bit where you, the death of data is ruined because they've already got B4 there and they've downloaded Beta's memories of it. So you know the next movie, if they want them in it, they'll just 
reboot B4 to be data again. Yeah, but Star Trek 2 again. So, um, so that ruins all the tension of the movie. Um, yeah. Can, can someone explain to me? I thought Romulans were ancestrally related to Vulcans. Right. They are, yes. Yeah. Um, so but you said they the have Remans, a common ancestor. So the Remans, are, are they Romulans as well? Yes, they are. So there were two planets, Romulus and Remus. And they evolved differently. So where's Vul is Vulcan in the same solar system? No, no, but they but they would have been um, again common ancestors. So they may have they may have started the ancestor may have started on the same planet, gone in two separate directions. When one got to Vulcan, they stayed there and became Vulcans. When the other branch went, they went to Romulus, shall we say? And then a faction would have gone to Remus, and they would have then developed separately the, the Vulcans and the Romulans they uh, the Vulcans uh, the the race as they were before um, they split because the Romulan side were too violent and the Vulcan side they chose not to have any violence and um, it's emotion uh, yes be about introspection and and thought and peace um, and that's when the the two species kind of diverged. Um, the other, the really, the, the bit I really hate about this movie, uh, not just the mind rape, which is creepy, it's but very creepy. Aren't it? It's very creepy. Nobody, nobody wanted to see Riker and Troy have sex. <laughs> you don't. You don't. Um, you see him get his beard scraped off. And do you mind? I've I've kind of no, gone for the no, Riker. I've gone for the Riker. That was interesting. No, there's a whole scene. Oh yeah, he's, sorry. He's got some of, and to be honest, uh, Jonathan Frakes refused to have his back waxed for that scene. <laughs> so, some poor digital effects artist had to digitally. Um, <laughs> so they did a Henry Cavill on Jonathan Frakes' back. Yeah. Yeah. Or a, a cat's ass is in cats. Wow. So um, yeah, I said we've run out of good Star Trek movies, and I think there are less bad Star Trek movies than this. So I'm going to say no. Ooh, I'm curious to know what that is. Uh, it's still three votes though. So. Um, oh no! Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, I'm with Tim. Oh. I, I, you know, Troy and Riker having sex. Yeah, let, let's go for it. I don't care if he's got a hairy back, but <laughs> this nemesis cannot go on the list, surely. Okay, well, uh, Tony, uh, what, what would you? What, let's just put this to the group then, as this is the number seven position. I'm happy for for it to be a general discussion, and if we can come to a consensus over which pretty rubbish Star Trek film deserves to be in the last position. Then oh no, you're going to have to put an eighth on, I'm afraid. Well, I mean, we, the seventh has just gone through. It's got three votes. You've got to let it on. So therefore, you'll have to go for an eighth and put the other one on that you want to put on. And All right. Well, yeah, we'll that's to, fine. We'll have to vote it out uh, come the end. I so, would, uh, I, I, I'm telling you now, I would take Generations over Nemesis. Ooh, yeah. no. Definitely. Easily. Good. No. That's so Generations had many problems. A couple of which is it should have been Spock and McCoy on the bridge of Enterprise B, and Captain Kirk should have died on the bridge of an Enterprise. But the cinematography in that is great, the score is great, and you know, when. Um, the scenes with the Picard and Shatner are really good. 
They are at book. The scenes between Jonathan Frakes and Patrick Stewart are great. It was like, um, oh, you know, time is the fire in which we burn. Oh, uh, you know, and Jonathan Frakes is like, oh, not me, I'm going to live forever. Hmm. Brilliant. Uh, okay, you're so Tony, pause, um, my you, you're oh, saying yeah. generations. Uh, Matt, insurrection is better. Your vote next. Insurrection is better than generations. What am I voting on? Any, any, a number I eight. Would take, yeah, you I got, would take it. Have you got a number eight for us? Uh, well, I, I'd, I'd go for the reboot uh, over any of the other two gener um, uh, next generation films. But, but as I said, I, I, I you know, for me, uh, I, I just. Uh, Insurrection, I found, was absolutely terrible. That was that was my second worst film uh, out of all thirteen. I, I did not enjoy that one at all. Um, so yeah, I, I, my choice would be the the, the reboot, um, the first one. The reboot, yeah. Elvin. Okay. Yeah. Um, I love the reboot because you know there's there's lots to be enjoyed in it, and the casting is brilliant for the casting. Casting is very good, yeah. Well, um, okay, so my number six is actually the 2005 reboot. Uh, I'm, I'm going for that. I'm going for that. All right, then. So uh, <laughs> Number eight. Number eight is the 2008 Kelvin timeline reboot. With Captain Thor. Yes. Or Lieutenant Thor. Uh, before, 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 he, before he's paid millions and millions. Yeah. And Shatner's going to be in the next one as well. <sighs> the, okay. the best thing, the best thing about the the, the, the last three films are is Scotty's little mate. Um, I, I love it, and every time he says, "He's get off, get off, <laughs> get bad, uh, Put some hands up, Matt. I couldn't disagree with you more. <laughs> I love it. I know. Well, yeah, no, it's, it's I, I love mean, it or hate I, it. I, I'm not a big Simon Pegg fan. I'm a very <laughs> overrated human being. Uh, okay, so we have our eight. And they are, in no particular order, um, the Voyage Home, Star Trek Beyond, Star Trek First Contact, Wrath of Khan, The Undiscovered Country, The Search for Spock, Nemesis, and the Kelvin reboot. Uh, Tim, start us off then with your uh, the one you want to get rid of. Nemesis. Nemesis. Get it out of there. Tony. Nemesis. I'll go for Nemesis as well. Matt. <laughs> why? Why was Nemesis ever on there? No, <laughs> Nemesis as well. Okay. I thought no one was ever going to vote for, for the, the Kelvin timeline one, so I, I, that's why I never mentioned it before. Well, you just got around to me, you know, I, I, I went rogue. All right, then. Uh, Nemesis is out. I would have said Nemesis as well. Um, okay, back to you then, Tim. Gonna go reboot. Um, lots like in it, but it doesn't really have much plot. It just kind of sets up the universe. Okay. And it's completely ridiculous that Spock and Kirk would meet like that. Tony. I I'm going with Tim. Reboot. Reboot. John? Same again, reboot. Reboot. Matt? Uh search for Spock. Ooh. Not that it makes much difference. <laughs> 
it does make a difference, Matt. You've oh, got, my you've, vote is heard. But you've you you've been intricate in all of this. I, I I've enjoyed the time I spent with with, with the crews, the different crews. Yeah, which is the most important thing. I'm going. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to be a bit tactical here because of the the one I would vote for, I'll just be my vote will just be tied there, and I'll sit for the next three votes whilst you guys whittle down the other. So um, I'm going to have to go with a reboot, sadly. Um, so that the reboot is out, um, and so we are looking for our number five position, Tim. It's between Beyond and Search for Spock. I think I'm going to go uh, Search for Spock. Hello. Tony? Um, Sorry, Tim. May, may I ask what, what ones are left, please? Yeah, sure, I, of I've course. got six left here. Yeah. Because oh, we started sorry. at eight. Yes, oh, we do. Okay. Sorry, apologies. There are yeah, six. I'll get rid of so, the Spock. Uh, so we've got uh, No Particular Order, Voyage Home, Undiscovered Country, Wrath of Khan, Search for Spock, uh, Beyond, and First Contact. I'm going to go with Voyage. John? The hell? Um, <laughs> search for Spock. Matt said search, uh, and I would have gone with Beyond. So, uh, Search for Spock is uh, number six. So, back to you, Tim. Um, so, Beyond, I'm going to get rid of. Beyond? Yeah, we're on the good movies now. Tony? <laughs> um, well,. I voted beyond out in the last one, so I'll go beyond now. John. Uh, Voyage. Voyage. Matt. Uh, Beyond. So beyond is number five. So uh, number four, uh, Tim. I'll give number four to number four, so Voyage Home. Voyage. Tony, your Voyage. Yeah. John, your voyage. Matt? Yeah. Uh, first contact. And I'm going to say... Uh, 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 oof. Voyage. So, uh, voyage home is number four. Uh, so we're looking for number three, Tim. I'll go first contact. Tony? Six. John. Uh, first contact. And Matt, you're first contact. And I'm going to be... You know what you want to do. <laughs> um, uh, Wrath of Khan, Undiscovered Country, or First Contact? I would have said Undiscovered Country. For number three, but it um, with one, two, three votes. First contact is our number three. So, gentlemen, we are looking for our number I mean, one. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> Every, is... Everyone's going to do Star Trek too, right? <laughs> um. So, just confirming then, uh, it's between uh, the undiscovered country. Uh, Star Trek 6, The Undiscovered Country, Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan. 
So, Tim, what is oh, your number is, one? It's got to be Wrath of Khan. Okay, Tony? Amen. Wrath of Khan. John? I'm, I'm in it for the biceps. <laughs> Wrath of Khan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Monteblon's moobs. Um, and uh, Matt? Um, well, do you know what? The, my top four was this top four, but without... Uh, uh, with first contact switched around with Voyage, so yeah. Con! Excellent. Okay, and uh, yes, uh, I I would also put Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan as the best Star Trek film. So that makes our uh, number one slot. So uh, going from five to one, um, Star Trek Beyond, number five, Star Trek for the Voyage Home as uh, number four, uh, Star Trek First Contact, number three. Star Trek Six, The Undiscovered Country, number two. And Star Trek Two, The Wrath of Khan is number one. Oh, Play, the sting. Play the sting! Well, thank you very much. Uh, can, we, uh, can we, just to you know, ratify everything? What is everyone's worst Star Trek film? <laughs> so uh, I I forgot to to give any of my Star Trek credentials at the beginning, um, and also share my first Star Trek film memory at the cinema, and also my first film memory. So uh, amazingly um, and depressingly, uh, Star Trek Five was the first film that I went to see in the cinema uh, with my dad. Um, and you went yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he, I like I like where they're all in Yosemite and it, oh. it has. I mean, yeah, oh, but yeah. Like, there are some good bits. Planet of International Peace, where everyone's just washed up and drunk and nobody cares. Well, it sounds like European Union, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Hague. I'm the a Hague, Remainer. What, what, what does God need with a starship? Yeah. Um, that is a great. That is a great question. Oh, well, yes. uh, so yes, that that's one. that's the first film I remember seeing at the cinema. Um, well, who was that person at the end? Who, who was the giant head? Was it? Oh, was that sorry, some sort of a energy-based alien. Right. They okay. they've kind of they they've suggested that it's a Q, or you know, uh, right? Like okay. A Q, Q alien. So yeah, Shatner's original idea was that go searching for God and then to find the devil. And he had this whole end sequence planned out where um, Hit and McCoy and Spock go through hell oh, yeah. and Shatner rescued them from hell. The man had a vision. Just yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure there yeah. was some. So there was no, a good film in there somewhere at some point. No, it wasn't. It was a bad film to start out with, and then he just compromised and compromised and compromised until it became a terrible film. Do you know what the worst? My worst, worst Star Trek uh, sequence in in all thirteen movies is is in that film. And it's when Uhura yeah. is dancing. Oh, yeah, I was going to say. Absolutely oh. cringe. So, yeah, apparently one of, the assist, one of the assistant script editors, they were like, how do, we problem? How, do we get, how do we get them to lure the people from the base? Someone, just as a joke, <laughs> let's get Uhura to do a fan dance. And it's so with bad. Oh, I mean, then... all, all credit to uh, Michelle. For, Michelle Nichols, yeah, yeah for going for, along for with doing that. that, and and you know she, 
she wasn't a spring chicken at that point. No. Um, and the other bit, the other, they're in this Yosemite, and no, all three, no, all three of them. Chicken, right? Oh no, no, I, t I totally agree, Tommy. Yeah. All, all three of them in Yosemite, they're around the campfire, start singing "Row, row your boat." Yeah. It's just yeah, I find that quite endearing. I I don't have that. Yeah, it's a testimony to about you know your wish for youth when you, as you get older. I like I like um, Kirk a bit Spaniel. sentimental for me. Kirk said, "I don't want you to take away my pain. I need my pain." That's Shatner has two good lines in it. Yeah, brilliant line. Oh, I I know this ship like the back of my hand. He oh, can yeah. sell. He can sell any line. I mean, like Shatner. I, I've had found newfound respect for for Shatner through watching these these films again. I I do think he he's a genuinely a, a terrific actor. So Nick Mayer, who did um, Wrath of Khan, think he said the secret to directing Shatner was to do multiple multiple takes. So he just does it again and again and again. Eventually, he gets bored mm -hmm. and starts experimenting, and. He will randomly come up with something that's actually good. Yeah, he starts doing Lucy in the Sky of Diamonds. Yeah, yeah Matt, what you need to watch is TJ Hooker. Oh, I remember watching some of that when I was growing up. Yeah, some uh, repeats. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I remember it being very good. Very good. And um, what was the other thing I was going to ask? I was going to ask a question about um, the law. I can't remember. It'll come back to me in a minute. No, it's all right. Go on, carry on, carry on. Sorry, yeah, law. The lore of the Star Trek. There was something that, that I was going to ask a question about. Oh no, no, no! It was the history. I read somewhere that um, Shatner was a bit, a bit of an arsehole to some of the crew. Um, oh yeah. I, I don't. George, I don't want to call the guy out. But, George um, Ty said, confirms that, doesn't he? Is like the, the, so they're not they, friends anyway. Oh, they all hate Shatner, and he's. Well, it's weird thing like him and Nimoy are both arseholes, but in their own way. Um, so Nick. Nimoy's supremely arrogant, but uh, Shatner's just really insecure. So it, uh, all the all the junior cast members hid him because he would always insist the camera was always on him, even when they were speaking their lines. He always made sure the show had to be about him. He has to be the most important thing because he was really insecure about his position. Um, and then he got really insecure about Nimoy's becoming a bigger star than him. Um, well, apparently they're they're quite. They were good friends until a couple of years before Lennon Nimoy died. Yeah, and then Kirk or Shatner didn't go to his funeral because he was at some Trump fun or Trump charity fundraiser. Was it? <laughs> really? Oh, I have prior wow. engagements. So anyone to, oh, anyone who would shame, go to a, a William Shatner? Well, event? I, I, I have think you not got somewhere to be. From what I understand, they'd fallen out before that, yeah. and he wanted to, William Shatner wanted to go to his funeral, but. They drifted apart because of some autobiography that William Shatner had written, and Leonard Nimoy didn't want to be part of it, and he was like, "Why are you dragging me into it?" And like, kind of ended their friendship. Was it? Was it? Was it about his death of his wife? It might have been, yeah. Yeah, because I read Shatner's wife. Yeah, that's a weird thing about Shatner. His wife drowned in a pool. Yes. And he came home and found her and phoned nine 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 and says, "My wife's at the bottom of the pool." And goes, yeah. <laughs> did you not try to drag her out? Gosh. Um. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for uh, taking part. Uh, is there anything that you would like to plug before we go, Tim? Uh, are we all agreed that Star Trek V is the worst one? I, I Into can't darkness. Think of a... <clears throat> 
Well, yes, Into Darkness is pretty bad as well. Oh, I don't see what people's problem with that. Yeah, I don't see what the problem is with that. I mean, I, I, again, as I said earlier, I don't have baggage really, but I, I actually quite like it. I thought it was quite good. Um, in, in Insurrection, uh, for me, is joint with, uh, with, with Final Frontier. Mm. As I, I really did, it was actually the one film that I enjoyed the least. At least with Final Frontier, I could have, a, I was laughing at it and enjoying it at the same time. As Tim said, it, you know, it's so bad, it's good. Well, it's so bad, it's not bad. Um, but Insurrection, I just thought was a really boring film, really seriously had issues. In my Insurrection. It's all right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's probably the worst. So, but I mean, right. okay. I'm just going to say quickly into darkness. The problem I have with it was the fact that I kind of knew every beat, and I knew every beat was wrong. And it, yeah. it was, it was like, it was like they wrote a fan film and got everything wrong. Yeah, there was there was no need to go back to that character. I think they could have easily just have gone in a different direction. And yeah, calm back because he was so, he was such a major part of the previous um, yeah. 11 films that there was no need to bring him back to be honest yeah. even, cool. even in a different timeline the whole thing with Khan was the character he was quite charming really charismatic and also Sikh yes, yes. That, to me that was the major point instead of a dark haired Englishman with blue eyes yeah, yeah. and, and all, uh, the, all the bits where they kind of recreate scenes from the Wrath of Khan they just make you think God, yeah, the original cast were so much better than this. Shall we just mm. watch Wrath of Khan? Shall I have top yeah. stop this yeah. and watch Wrath of Khan? Khan instead. No, that, they, that's they had Spock doing issue. the calm bit, didn't they? Spock, Spock yes. was doing the calm yeah. bit. And they had uh, Kirk, Kirk doing the... Uh... But, I mean, the fact the fact is they, they kill that film from the beginning by, um, saving, by saving the kid. The, the reason Noel Clark <clears throat> goes and blows up uh, the London branch of... Uh, the Federation of Planets is um, because Khan saves his son by tapping off some of his blood and, how, uh, how does, how does and turning it into a serum because you give you're giving Kirk a way out. Oh, Actually, yeah, I see what you mean. Okay, deep dive nerd. In that scene, there are Union Jacks outside the Federation building. Yeah, it's London. Yeah. But so that will be an alternate uh, future for us then. Do, do we still have nation states at this time? <laughs> yeah, indeed. And as every true Star Trek fan knows, um, there in that Union Jack there is the diagonal red stripes of the Cross of St. Patrick. And as we all know, according to Star Trek, Ireland is reunified in 2024. Well, there we go. Tim, you need and, to write and the next script. So this, that's why the Kelvin timeline doesn't really count to him, is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, so. I, I, will, I would like to just give a, a, a slight honourable mention, uh, geeky nod to uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture for its incredible 70s campiness, um, uh, weird special effects, uh, amazing cinematography, but... That's one of the uh, worst scenes the, about people dying. The transporter accident, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, the the thing that I kind of like now about it is the fan theory that Viger uh, is actually the create the beginning of the Borg. Borg, yeah. And and that the the Borg um, being a sentient uh, ness 
started with uh with him with um yeah with uh commander and uh um which i think is quite cool Um, yeah but they made a terrible choice with the uh the uh uniforms in that film oh my yes I mean, yeah. there's so many shots of of gentlemen's balls in that in the onesies <laughs> that I didn't know where to look. And DeForest Kelly looks like he's just come off the disco dance floor when he comes yeah. into the show. It's like he's not part of his charm. I mean, I, 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 have, I have to having watched having watched it again for this. I mean, I actually think that if if someone took a pair of scissors to it. It's not the, bad. That you film. could you could actually shave out. It's, I think it's a two-hour film. You took out half an hour of the special effects because there's more than half an hour of special effects you can take out of that film. You'd actually make a very nice tight ninety, and yeah. it would actually make all the sense in the world. And actually, and the thing the thing is that uh, it's good at that though, wasn't it? Yeah. Just just quickly, um, it's it's Robert Wise directing, but it's Douglas Trumbull who's also doing the special effects. So just as a quick nod to the fact that he he's uh, recently died at time of recording, um, just say that um, the special effects are actually uh, are actually really good. Um, I don't know if it's the second or third film he did coming off the back of 2000 AD. uh, Sorry, 2001, A Space Odyssey, uh, where he where he actually uh, built his career. He actually started at the bottom and actually worked his way up in the special effects department on that film because he was there long enough to actually just climb the ladder there. And also uh, Silent Runnings, uh, his film. Direct, directed film. Uh, and this in particular, for, from a from our genre point of view, um, um, and also for his film Brainstorm, which it's bat, batshit, but actually it's kind, of, it's, kind of, it's kind of good in a very weird way with Natalie Wood. Oh, with Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken as well. And, yeah. and jo- Jack Lemmon as well. But oh. Douglas Trumbull, it, uh, one, of the, one of the good guys in uh, special effects. Thank you, John. Uh, Tim, anything to add before we go? Um, no, just, uh, yeah, re-watching these made me realize that love the original cast more than I thought I did, yeah. There's just a real warmth and chemistry to the original cast that subsequent iterations didn't have. Like, the, the chemistry between Nimoy and Shatner, which is born of animosity, and I think it just really works and comes out on screen. So. Tony? Um, I actually think the next generation cast had a great warmth of, to, to them as well. But, you know, always pick the right actors, generally good films, we wouldn't be doing a podcast about them if that wasn't the case. Very true. Matt, anything to add? Uh, I enjoyed my time in the 23rd century. Uh, and <laughs> the next generation was the 24th century, was it? Was it uh, 100 years? Yeah, 100 years. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought I wasn't going to enjoy it as much as I did. And I'm pleased I stepped back into uh, some of the films. So I'd recommend anyone who, who hasn't, who find themselves listening to this uh, or watching it, the two, uh, who have even a passing interest in uh, in any of the star treks uh is to yeah is to take our advice on these films and, and jump in because uh, it's well worth it well worth it not as bad as you might think now well, well said thank you <laughs> uh john uh just quickly um we are on all the socials at uh, five on film podcast um you'll find us there if you want to email us we're at five on film podcast at gmail.com 
uh, for emails. Um, find us on all the socials. Uh, you can leave us reviews on Anchor. If you go to our Anchor site, uh, which is anchor.fm slash five on film, you can leave us a one minute message, uh, which uh, if we get any, we'll uh, maybe drop into our next one or maybe we'll do a, a roundup um, in the future. Um, yeah, come talk to us. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. Uh, and that's it for this show. Uh, live long and prosper. Peace and long life. Kaplach. All views expressed in this podcast are that of the individual and do not represent the views of any entity whatsoever which they have been or will be affiliated with in the future.